Hello and welcome to The Paranormal Sun, coming to you live from Tower Studios. As always, I'm JT, and I'll be your tour guide as we explore the unexplained. Well, folks, I hope that you are all doing well wherever you are in the world right now. I know that the west coast of the U.S., the desert southwest, and the entire west coast, including the Pacific Northwest, are all baking. So I do hope that that passes as quickly as it can. It seems like uh, whatever parts of the world aren't being baked are being drowned and flooded. So, yeah, it's been a <laughs> interesting few months weather-wise. And as the old saying goes that's attributed to Confucius, we don't know for sure if it came from Confucius, but it was meant as, most people think that it was meant as a curse when you hear the saying, may you live in interesting times. So folks, I'm just going to give you a little bit of an update of what's been going on. It's been very, very flat out or busy, busy, busy around here at Tower Studios. Uh, first and foremost, I want to address something that I've talked about a little bit. I've touched about, uh, this topic on the air before. I'm not going to give you all the details, but I'm going to give you some background. So usually when I hear from you, lovely listeners, I get words of support and encouragement in that. And again, hey, I'm like anyone. I make mistakes. There's things I do wrong. I know it. And every day I tell myself I could have done better with this or that. Every once in a while, I will get a communication that's not very positive. So I had an email from someone who's anonymous. And in fact, in their email, they didn't even write who they were. They just said, oh, what's this? Why can't you be on the air? Why don't you consistently put out episodes? Well, look, folks, I've told you before. Number one, I am doing my best. I enjoy doing this. And if I didn't enjoy doing it, I'd just stop doing it. I wouldn't have gotten up to a hundred and some episodes uh, when we take all the bonus content and that into account. And unfortunately, folks, there's this little saying that you keep hearing me say, life gets in the way. So we have a family member who's staying with us that isn't well, okay? And when I say isn't well, I mean they can't be left unsupervised. So between me and uh, Vi, it's pretty much 24-7 that we have to stay with this individual. And the individual is getting worse. And it's one of those things where we can't leave them alone because they can potentially get themselves into a lot of strife. So, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things. It's one of those things that many of us will go through in life. And at the end of the day, whoever it is that wrote that email, hey, you're not paying anything. You don't support the show in any way because um, I know who my contributors are. And Mr. or Mrs. Anonymous, whatever the case may be, isn't one of them. And look, at the end of the day, folks, I'm going to continue to try and do this as much as I can. Now, again, I'd be lying to tell you that I'm going to be able to get back to the old days of doing a couple shows a week. I'm going back into the workforce very soon. And one of the many things that I've got to cross off before I get back into the workforce is getting some episodes out. But that's going to be about a week from the time that you hear this, folks. So, yeah, uh, it's coming very, very swiftly. And once I get back into the workforce, I'm going to have to focus on that because the role that I'm going into is quite a technical type role. And I'm going to have about three months of training and I've got to learn during that time. Now I'm going to do my best to put out whatever I can 
and I'm going to do my best to keep you informed as to what's going on. But as we all know, in life sometimes, got to put ourselves first. And yeah, it's not been an ideal year, okay? It's basically taken a whole year to get through season four. We're not even finished with season four quite yet. We've still, we've still got a ways to go. It's the season that will not die, okay? So, folks, I just want you to know from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate each and every one of you who support me. And the people that listen that aren't so supportive, well, they've obviously listened because they've taken the time to communicate with me, be it positive or negative. But yeah, basically, folks, it's not an excuse. I'm dealing with some things, family issues, and doing my best to juggle everything. And we all go through this at some point in life. And I know that 99.995% of you out there listening to this would completely understand and would completely say, yeah, JT, you do what you need to do. I mean, my guests have been that way. Almost all of the listeners are that way. But basically, if you're waiting to get like two or three episodes a week, like when I covered the monoliths, or you're waiting for a nice steady stream of a two, two and a half hour episode every week, it's just not going to happen. Not in the short term anyway, folks. In the longer term, I'm, I've got plans, okay? And there's some things that I want to do, but I can only do one thing at a time. And again, I am a crew of one. I have had some kind offers of help. And I'm going to do what I can, but I've got, that's the issue. It's like I've got so many irons in the fire right now. I can't stop what I've got going on in life to focus on setting things up to allow people to help me, if that makes sense. It's uh, it's one of those things, like, I'm sure there are things in our life that we all know, be it you're doing the yard work or you're cooking. Somebody comes and volunteers to help, and it's like, you have to stop what you're doing to organize them. You see what I'm saying? And it's not in any way a negative thing. I mean, I love the fact that some people have offered to help me and I'm going to be taking up their help, but it's just, I've got other priorities I've got to sort out first. So on that note, what's the plan, JT? What is the plan? Well, here is the plan. This episode that you're going to hear tonight or today, whatever the time may be when you get it, is a episode with Chaz of the Dead. Now, I've got quite a backlog of pre-recorded interviews that I need to go through and edit and clean up and get ready to air. But there are two episodes that I agreed to push to the front of the queue. This one with Chaz, because Chaz has released a new book about a really interesting case that I've heard of, but I would say that very few of you out there in the audience would have. It has been covered by a few well-known groups over the last few years, so so maybe you have heard of it, but it's still one of the lesser-known ones. But it's a really fascinating case. It's about a metallic sphere found on a beach in Florida in 1973 called the Bet Sphere. Really fascinating, folks, and I think that you will really enjoy it. And plus, as normal, Chaz and I, we talked about the gambit, everything from UFOs and nuclear weapons to lost treasures, on and on and on, right? So, as normal, folks, we move wherever the conversation takes us. Great conversation, and I really enjoyed having Chaz back on. Now, the other episode is that I've already got it recorded, and that's going to be the next thing you hear after I get this episode out. So that next episode, I've got to get edited because it's about a documentary that has come out 
and the filmmaker reached uh, uh, reached out to me in April and said, "Hey, JT, um, I'd love to be on your show." I explained to him uh, at that time that I had a big backlog of shows, and he said he was going to be launching this in August. And I told him we would see if I could move it to the front of the queue because, again, the timeliness of it of the documentary coming out in that. So, yeah, that will be the next episode out, and I would like to get that out within a week of this episode. I'm going to try my best. It's really a struggle right now, folks, because I can't even be in studio editing the interviews uh, for very long because the family member that we have, they get up to all kinds of mayhem in the meanwhile, leaving on stoves, leaving the front door unlocked, and then wandering off, things like this. So all I'm saying, folks, is this is not someone with a cold where I can just go and leave them to sleep for four or five hours. If Vi is at work, I have to be taking care of them. So, yeah, it is it is what it is. But anyway, that's going to be the next episode you get. And then after that, got it written, Betty and Barney Hill, we're going to be getting back to that. Now, a couple other general points, points of order. First and foremost, I did just appear on The Old 77, episode 121. Had a good time, and I I, I got uh, a fair bit inebriated on the show. I had more to drink than I usually would when I do an interview, but the boys at The Old 77, as you all know, I know them very well, and yeah, I enjoyed myself. We had a good talk. Very long recording. Uh, Scott and Dave and... Dustin uh, took the time. We had a good interview. Scott and I st stuck around for quite a long time on the after hours. Now, I did mention on here that I had some facts about Missouri, kind of odd, not necessarily paranormal, some paranormal, but more like odd or bizarre things about Missouri different sites. We didn't have time to cover that on the meat and potatoes of the episode. So if you want to hear that, if you want to hear about those eight Things Scott and I discuss them, and you can catch that through joining the Old 77 Patreon. It's just five bucks a month. I'm actually a member of their Patreon service, and 100% disclosure, I don't get a chance to, to use a lot of the features, like uh, the early access and that. A lot of it is just supporting fellow podcasters that do a great show. So, yeah, I mean, five bucks, it's worth it to me. It's... uh doesn't cost all that much, and it's the only tier they have. So there's not like 20 bucks or 50 bucks to get more. It's just a $5 tier, which is really cool. So yeah, uh, definitely, if you want to hear us talk about a little bit about UFOs, but just things in general, you can check that out. As for this conversation with Chaz, there are a few things I just wanted to point out. First and foremost, uh, number one thing here is we talked about I just had, as we started recording, I just, something in the back of my head said, hey, ask Chaz what's been going on in the world of ufology, because I've been out of the loop. And he brought up this Calvin incident in Scotland. And this is a very famous or infamous case in Scotland. And the whole thing about it is that there was this uh, photograph that was purportedly taken by these hikers back in 1990 that saw a uk jet interacting with this ufo and that this photo was lost and i'd seen drawings kind of like artist renderings of what they said this photo showed well as Chaz brought up this photo has now come out 
It's a photocopy or a copy of one of the photos. So what I'm saying is it's not the original. It's not a film negative. But still, it's fascinating that after all this time, the photo has actually turned up. And then just, folks, once you go through and you listen to this episode about the Bet Sphere, okay, in the show notes link, so if you go into the podcast details and it's got the little blurb about what the what this episode's about, if you scroll down, you'll see some links. And there's one there that says Oddball. So it's two words, Odd, O-D-D-B-A-L-L. And it's a five-part podcast about this Bet Sphere. Now, I would suggest after you've heard the story that Chaz and I cover, you go over there and check that out because it was really well done because I've listened to it. Okay, I took the time in between editing this to go and listen to it, and I'm glad I did. It um, it answers a few questions, and it gives a really good background story. So definitely, folks, you should check that out. And I do think you're going to hear this story about the Bet Sphere, and it's going to be interesting enough that you'll want to know more. It's really something else. And then also, Chaz has started a change.org petition to save this home, and we talk about it in this episode. But he only needs 100 signatures. I think I checked it just before I recorded this to put the link in the show notes, and I think it's up to about 66. So if you would click on that link and take two or three minutes and just support his petition, it would be really great to support one of our continuing contributors to the Paranormal Sun. Uh, one other note, folks, that I just want to make about this episode. Now, all I want to tell you is, if you want to go poking around this nap, nap house or the bet, the bet's mansion, as some people call it, be very careful because this is on federal land and it's government property, basically. So just a word of warning. Don't go out there and get yourself in trouble to see something that you can look up photos online. Uh, that's all I'm saying. I, <laughs> It's a fine line. I understand that. And I understand that things like this, sometimes it can be difficult to get permission. But all I'm saying, folks, is don't get yourself in trouble with the law to go and check out this house. If it's something that you feel safe doing, then that's 100% your choice, of course. And I always endorse you making your own choice because, you know, that's the whole theory of the paranormal sun. I present and you make up your own mind. So yeah, folks, hopefully I'll be back within a week here with another episode for you. And aside from that, take care, stay safe. I really do hope that you enjoy this episode, my friends. It was great. I really enjoyed it. You can tell we had a lot of fun in doing this. And yeah, definitely check out all the stuff that Chaz mentions, and I will talk to you soon. Now, go and get yourself a nice drink, maybe some snacks, something to sit there and enjoy yourself, and check out this awesome two-hour interview with Chaz of the Dead. The views and opinions expressed by guests on the Paranormal Sun are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoint or the position of JT, the Paranormal Sun, or Tower Studios New Zealand. Well, good morning, Chaz. Great to have you back on the show, man. Interesting times around here, and I know that you've been busy <laughs> as always. Yeah, it's great to have you back, and thanks for making time to come back on the program. Yeah, glad to be back. Uh, thanks for having me on. Any chance I get to talk about, you know, strange stuff, I'm I'm there. So it's it's a pleasure being back. <laughs> yeah, and it, hey, it's a great great team like uh, peanut butter and jelly because we love hearing about anything in the in the field of high strangeness. I know the listeners <laughs> are, are always calling out for more, so it's some great stuff. Just in general, Chaz, over the last few months, honestly, with what's been going on around here, I've had some 
family issues where I've been taking care of some people. Mm-hmm. I've had one of those winters where I've just, uh, I'll be sick and then I get a little better. And then, I mean, nothing life-threatening, but it's just been one of those winters here where I haven't been able to kind of keep an eye on what's going on. The last thing that I kind of saw that was going on out there kind of in the news around this stuff that we love to cover was the sightings of the UFO at the Queen's Jubilee. But is there anything else out there that I've kind of missed that's been going on? Well, recently that that Calvin photograph, again, out of the UK, that's been making the rounds and people got pretty excited um, uh, in early August about this this photo um, being discovered. And the Calvin story is these two hikers. Go ahead. Sorry. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, they were hiking and they they took a picture, a couple pictures supposedly of this diamond-shaped UFO and there's the a fighter jet in the background. It's, you know, the military's um seemingly interacting with it. And this made a big hubbubaloo. Um the people if you're looking it up right now, you're going to be am. disappointed though cuz it's <laughs> it's not the best photo. Um really, it's a black and white photo. It's blurry a classic piece of paranormal evidence. It's a a blurry photo, but I think the conversation happening around it's quite interesting, right? Because you have university professors discussing this. It was actually a guy, I believe at the Salam, uh, something, Halam, something university, um, over there in Scotland. He spent 30 years researching and trying to uncover this photo, um, which he, he did. So, Congratulations, yeah. and I'm sorry it wasn't more worthwhile because <laughs> it it is it's a a really kind of pathetic piece of evidence. Really, it, it's not very convincing. But the fact that people like university professors and military personnel they're taking it seriously, and yeah. I think that's the the real news story. Is before ten years ago, you know, just ten years ago, if you showed a blurry photo to the public and was like, "This is a famous UFO," you would be laughed out of the room. You're like, "Okay, yeah, sure, whatever." Up, oh, yep, some blurry photo of a thing. Yeah, that's a UFO. the The reception around this story is showing that the paradigm is shifting. That people are more willing to believe in those blurry photos and and have discussions on on what they might be. Overall, the story's kind of a non-story. It's it's a blurry photo. That's what you've missed in ufology this month. Well, <laughs> well, much the I, roundup. I will tell you though, man. It's a. I just we were we were sitting here, folks, uh, discussing before the show on what we were going to talk about, and something just I don't know what it was, but something led me to ask Chaz that question. To me, it's just a bit another one of those synchronicities because this case, as soon as you started talking about it, the hikers and the photo, I was like. Oh, yeah, I remember that case. And uh, that's it. There's been these stories going on for ages about this missing photo because these hikers claimed that there were military aircraft in the photo. And the photo I'm looking at anyway, I mean, it's not the clearest, but it's it. they've zoomed it in, I think. And it's pretty right. good. And it definitely shows a military jet in the same frame. It's like mm. a diamond-shaped UFO. I remember oh, seeing... the thing's huge. It's much yeah. larger than the jet. You can oh, tell yeah. it's a, a it's very probably... large object. Yeah, it's probably five times as large, I'd say, just from eyeing it. Yeah, I remember seeing drawings that they made of this scene, and mm-hmm. obviously the drawings were a bit more in-depth than this was. But I, it's just one of those things, again, I just happened to ask you about it. It's like, oh, yeah, this 
this case that's been this photo has been missing for 40 years. Oh, yeah, they they found that mm-hmm. photo, JT, you know, or it's, it, it's something else. Well, I think else. it's important to note that it's only one of the photos and it's actually a copy of the original photo. Oh, OK. Of one of the original photos. So it's even blurrier than the original okay. photograph is, is supposedly. Fair enough. Um, yeah. For UK ufology, the Calvin story was one of those stories that kind of it was kind of like a not as serious as Roswell or Rendlesham Forest, but it was uh, an incident that that had importance specifically right. because there was they gave it to the media and the media gave it to the Ministry of Defense. <laughs> and there was this this disappearing act where these yeah. photos vanished somewhere in that uh, liaising between the, the media and the MOD. So it was for a long time held up as an important case because it proved that the government in the UK was hiding something, right? They were being purposefully obscure. And many like cases that such cases exist in the US as well, Roswell being the famous one where they say, Oh yeah, it was a UFO. Um just kidding, it was a weather balloon. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. we said that. <laughs> yeah. Forget we mentioned anything about UFOs. <laughs> it, yeah. It definitely it, wasn't a flying disc. Definitely not. Right. And so it's it's um an intriguing it's a intriguing evolution to a a UK ufology story. You know, I didn't grow up with the Calvin UFO, so this is the you know, I'm hearing about it alongside this okay. photo. And I think for a lot of people it's not it's yeah, it's not the best. I, I wish it was a lot better of a photo. It's definitely um again, and there is the that evidence out there that there are other photos that are around there somewhere. So if this maybe leads to the revealing of, of that of more evidence, then it's a, a good first step, I'll say that much. Oh, yeah. And this is the kind of case, uh, without going back and completely refreshing my memory, I I wouldn't have heard about this at the time that it, it came out either. Probably would have heard about this maybe kind of 10, 15 years ago. It's, but it's one of those cases that something similar to what I cover a lot of on the show, not so much like you say, your Roswells and your Rendlesham's. I try and mix those in, but I try and cover a lot of cases like this that aren't so well right. known, but are still... There's still some meat. It's not just somebody mm-hmm. with a pie plate in a, a photographer's studio taking shots out the back and everyone in the neighborhood knows about right. it. Well, so, that's actually what's the bummer about the Calvin photo is that possibility is still very oh, much in play. That It very well could be a, a paper mache model or something that's being dangled because the, the photograph is um, it's it's not good and it's a copy. So even the right. efforts to clean it up, you're not, right. you know, you have. I've seen people try to alter the photo and say, well, look, you can see like dirt caked on the outside and this and that. But if you look at the same photo and look at the jet in the background, it doesn't even look like a jet anymore. It looks like a completely blurred out fuzzy object. So clearly the UFO is not getting more clear. The image isn't (laughs) getting more clear with these analyses. Yeah. Um, so that, that hoax, uh, potential is still there. And that would be actually, I think, a pretty devastating blow oh, to yeah. ufology if it did turn out to be a hoax and we did take it this seriously. Um, especially to but, that whole, as you're saying, that kind of 
government cover-up type look at it. Uh, if they prove that it was a hoax and it's like, yeah, the government covered it up because they knew it was a hoax. You know what I'm saying? They just kind of, mm -hmm. it wasn't a cover-up. It was more, uh, uh, versus going in the, um, the top secret folder. It was actually going in the, in the garbage can. <laughs> so that's, that was the right. quote unquote cover-up was that they knew it was BS. So I've got a friend's podcast that I'm on now and again. And I mean, one of the guys I went to school with and one of the other hosts on there, he's kind of like, their guy that's interested in all of this stuff and i just caught one of their recent shows because i'm going to be going on again and they were talking about the new basically everything the last 10 years especially where right. things have gotten so good with photoshop and cgi yeah this footage is real but i can't tell if the object is real mm -hmm. or it's been added in but the problem is you see, uh, that's the problem with this older stuff is that some of it is okay kodak or whoever's looked and they say okay well we know that the, the film wasn't tampered with but as you say right. it doesn't mean that it's not somebody with something <coughs> on a string or right. make, making sure they're taking it at just the right light so that the string or whatever isn't show doesn't mm -hmm. show up in the footage obviously if it's too fine to be picked up in the lens it doesn't matter how much magnification you put it under it's not going to show up i guess it's just one of those double-edged swords you might get mm -hmm. some really great stuff today but it's really hard to tell the difference and then back then you might right. have some stuff where it's well it was harder to fake back which which is true in some cases but in some other cases it's not a perfect example is the the photo something slightly different but the photo that fooled people for decades and decades i mean when i was growing up it was the epitome of a photograph of the strange and unexplained and that was the famous surgeon's photo of the loch ness monster i mean everybody mm -hmm. and their dog betted that that was lock the loch ness yeah, monster the image is famous <laughs> yeah see it's what you think of when you think loch ness exactly monster. yeah mm -hmm. i would say if you just did a straw poll in the street if you just asked random people here or in the uk or in the us wherever probably 80 to 90 percent of the people would not even have a clue that it's come out that that was a hoax or a purported mm -hmm. hoax there'll always be some people that will still say oh well yeah but was it like a misdirection was he but what did he have to gain really from the misdirection it's not like yeah he's got royalties on a documentary film that he's making a million dollars off a year or something or mm -hmm. his family because he'd be long dead now, that surgeon. Yeah, well, I, I think you, you hit on a really important point in this evolving uh, ufology landscape, and that's the the idea of the deep fakes and, and things yeah. like that. Uh, it's I, I've been saying recently that the old adage in ufology is if they could just land on the White House lawn and introduce each other, then we could like accept it's real. And I think that that window of time has passed because if if yep. aliens landed on the White House lawn tomorrow, you would half the country would be like, nope, that's fake, deep fake technology, yep. holograms. Yep. The the government hologrammed it. They're trying to take our guns away. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. You you would you would have this reaction where people would immediately not believe it. And yep. reality has become um, subjective. It's no yep. longer about certain things. And these subjects that have always sat on the fringe of, of believability and of reality itself, whether it's UFOs, Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, these things, they're around, they're creating some kind of physical impact. But since they're already uncomfortable, they're going to be subjected to that malleable reality more than anything else. And so 
UFOlogy, it's going to be weird. People are talking about disclosure, but it's it's very quickly becoming something that no no one really predicted was going to happen, right? The, yeah. the idea, and you still hear these camps, the idea of, oh, the, the military, the government, they just need to tell us what they know, and that will, <laughs> will solve everything. It, really observing the phenomenon suggests that they definitely know more than what they're letting on. They're definitely yeah. um, using this information in, in a secretive manner. But there's also a high strangeness aspect where this phenomenon is almost beyond human reasoning. It's so strange and tricky yeah. that it's hard to, to stamp on it and say, well, it's clearly this or it's clearly that. And so, yeah, I, I think because of that, you're going to have people go for the cozy option, which is, well, it depends on your, your <laughs> cultural beliefs. But a lot of time for most, for a lot of people, it's going to be, well, that's just the devil. Yep. <laughs> Those yep. are the devil and the devil's tricks. Other people, it'll be government holograms. It's yep. the government and the government's tricks. And this, this explanation is comfortable, right? It makes it the, yep. it, it solves all the questions. It's, answers what it is and it explains what they are and that is evil or somehow yep. bad and something to be fought against again i'm not necessarily against that idea i clearly think we should uh teddy roosevelt quote speak quietly but definitely carry that big stick oh you yeah know? i think it is if these are aliens from a different planet or even if they are dimension travelers the technology is unnerving <laughs> oh, yeah. when we compare it to what happens on earth when a society gets an advanced technology they almost always use it to attack other societies <laughs> yeah. right? immediately the, yeah <laughs> uh -huh, right that's that's how world war ii started yeah. world war one all of these major conflicts even back to you know the mongol empire oh, they yeah. had horse archers yep. <laughs> the, yep. uh, an armored horse archer was essentially a tank back then and yep. so they got a bunch of those dudes and took over most of almost all of asia and um a big good chunk swaths of europe, of europe. Yep. yeah middle east yeah and so when technology is introduced like the technology we're seeing here technology that multiplies speed and multiplies force then um and i hate using that because that's what the <laughs> the right says now to describe guns a force multiplier <laughs> um but in a way these these craft if they are the physical mechanical machinery then they are that they are something we should be a little wary about and the aliens themselves if we're listening to what these entities have said to people and the interactions they're very interested in our nukes yep, and yep. Nu not only nuclear weapons, but nuclear power. They seem to be really against it. And yep. that that's suspicious. If someone came over to your house and immediately was like, you know, you should get rid of all these guns. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You but, don't you don't really you know, need I electricity. Up, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh huh. I roll up outside in a tank in this piece of technology <laughs> you've never seen before. <laughs> And I come in and I'm like, you know, get rid of all these guns. You're going to want to get rid of those. You'd be probably. You'd be better burning right. whale oil, okay? You really don't need this electricity stuff, all right? Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it, it does seem. It seems like they're they're off put by that presence on our planet again. If they are to be believed when they speak to us, which we definitely shouldn't. <laughs> we know for a fact that they're liars. 
right? They were telling the contactees in the 50s and the 60s that they were from Mars and Venus. Yep. Um, nowadays, the, the distance keeps getting further. Now it's serious in it. um, yep. these other further solar systems. When we finally get probes out there or telescopes powerful enough to observe those planets, we're going to find that well, maybe that's not true. And then suddenly the aliens are from somewhere else. Um, it, it really, the phenomenon matures alongside uh, humanity. It evolves to meet our expectations in, in one way or another. No, that's look, it's so true. And it's something that, um, I mean, many people listening to this will know that, but a lot of the people who are just kind of like casual, yeah, they, they've heard of UFOs, they've seen the the ubiquitous photos of flying saucers and that, or uh, drawings or whatever, stuff from Plan 9 from outer space. That's it, man. I mean, back in the 1800s, it was, uh, we're from airships, and we, the scientists has developed these these uh these these airships and we came from uh mm -hmm. from germany or wherever it was uh then it was the inner earth then it was like very close by places like venus and mars then it was oh no we're from zeta reticuli and like you say by the time we get there it's probably going to be oh did we say zeta reticuli yes we did mean that mm -hmm. but in a <laughs> in a, a parallel universe not in your universe right. and it is it is very interesting how it's like they they keep that steady Gap, uh, technology gap. Moving. Uh -huh. Yes, yes. I'm sure you know this more than most, but there are all kinds of fascinating theories. And one of the theories that I've always found fascinating about that. Now, who can get into these entities' heads, whatever they are, and know the answers? But one of them is it's kind of like it's the whole uh, kind of pulling us along slowly by showing us there's something beyond our technology. You know what I mean? Like they're just slowly right. saying, but there's this and there's this. So now you've got uh, jets, but we've got this and always pushing the envelope right. to, to tell us what you have isn't isn't the bee's knees. You know, there's always something just a little bit further beyond. Uh, again, many other instances and many of these abductee and uh, what do they call them? Experiencer type things of showing right. the earth destroyed and everything else would tend to make me think that well maybe it's not all kumbaya but it it's it is just fascinating some of these theories that are out there and and there are many of them that i've come across and then i'll have to just take a second and at least think about it and go yeah actually you know mm -hmm. again if you've got splinter groups just like you don't even have to look at the world as a whole just look at one country you could look at so so for example during the cold war you had people in the U.S. that were like, we got to nuke anybody who's a communist country. And then you had people who right. were very much, no, they're just poor, misguided souls that need to come over to capitalism. And then there were other people that wanted right. to join them. And yeah, there's there's like all kinds of different agendas. And I think that, yeah, and I just I, think I, that I, people I, in general need to look at, don't look at this phenomenon, whatever it is, is this like monolith where it's all one group from one place. It's right. like there can be very, very, and I would argue that there are very, very many different things going on all at once mm -hmm. yeah and that's one of those things you you hear in that like exopolitics conversation where you know the reptilians are fighting the the grays and the blondes and they made a deal and it gets really fan fiction-y yep, um, yep. but it's one of those things where when you really look at the phenomenon these entities are so much stranger like yeah there are archetypes there's your gray aliens there's things like that but the the really good sightings, these group sightings, even when they are 
they fit this archetype setting. They're they're different. The aerial school sightings are one of the best examples. Funny, they did funny look like you say that. Gray, C- carry on, um, and then I'll tell you what I was going to say. They did look like greys. Yeah, well, they looked like greys, but they a lot of the kids described them as looking like Michael Jackson. They had this weird, long, straight black hair and almost <laughs> kind of like a makeup appearance on right. their face. Right. Um, there's the Vereznev landings oh, in Russia, yeah. where one of my this, favorites, um, yeah. giant triclops eye <laughs> entity and like this robot That's that it. was literally like a box, a yes. washing machine with legs <laughs> and arms. Um, Straight out of so the Jetsons, the arch- yeah. Yeah, Pascagoula, Mississippi. You have these metallic dudes with cone ears and cone heads and things like that. It's it's really appearing in these bizarre, far-out ways. And, and yeah, it has these archetypes that pop up here and there. But I think you made a really good point, right? Like, there's good and bad people of every nationality and yeah. creed and everything. Why would one race of aliens be wholly good and some ra- another <laughs> race of aliens wholly evil? That entire concept is is just unrealistic. Again, it comes back to that, oh, it's easier to believe that. It's easier yeah. to believe that someone's fighting for us and it That's must it. be the good aliens versus yes. the bad aliens. Yes. It's yes. At, um a very romantic and almost childish kind of concept, but we're all guilty. To falling back on it, right? Everyone believes in some kind of sense of good versus evil. Fighting, um, fighting for baseball and, and apple pie. <laughs> hell yeah, rock, rock flag and eagle. <laughs> Get that alien a Budweiser, right? Eh? <laughs> uh huh. Fuck yeah, that's an alien I can hang out with. That's how we'll we'll conquer the galaxy with Coca Cola. <laughs> that that's the one. Yeah, just yeah. Make sure you sign the check to Coca Cola. That's it. Interestingly enough, uh, there's another case. Now, again, this is just one of those where I'm drawing it from the memory banks. Uh, but it's another one of those extremely odd ones, like you say, like Veronese and some of these other ones. It I know it happened in Scotland, and it was a forestry worker, and it was the guy that basically got attacked by those two giant orbs that had like spikes coming out of them did you do you ever remember hearing about that case that does sound vaguely familiar i'm not i i I can't remember dates and names for that one yeah uh, no no that's intriguing scotland um i wonder if that's in that same calvin region all actually what i'll do is while we're talking here i'll just bring it up because i've got a kind of database for everything that i am going to cover on the show at some time and I'll have it there, but I remember watching yes. it in the 90s on, like, Arthur C. Clarke, one of his shows, and I can never remember because he had, like, Strange World, Strange Universe, so, I mean, there were, like, multiple ones. Right. But, but I remember seeing this thing, man, and I was like, this has got to be, like, made up. But the thing was, this guy, at first, that's the first thing they thought because, again, this was in the, I want to say in the late 80s, and he was, like, middle-aged, he's in his 40s, and they're... Uh, they're kind of making fun of him about it when he when he reported it. And then they got a hold of, I think it was his trousers or his pants, and he had these very strange tear marks in it from this thing that you know, it looked like they had basically been run through a hole punch. At least, I mean, if, if he went out of his way to make the story up, at least he was really consistent with it. He claimed right. that, yeah, he was he was out doing his job as a forestry worker, so... Similar to kind of like being in the U.S., uh, maybe being like a forest ranger. Not exactly, but you get the idea working in Mm -hmm. the woods and that. He thought, 
I believe from memory he had a dog with him or dogs, and the dog started acting really weird. So he right. thought it was poachers. He thought his poachers out there trying to hunt uh, deer. Okay, and yeah, th- these details sound familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was one of those that definitely stuck in my memory from that time. And there's so many of these that over the years I've gone through and I've looked them up and I've been like, yeah, I need to, I know this, I need to find out about it. So I'm just trying to look it up here very quickly in my files. Yeah, well, we're discussing, you know, paranormal archetypes, the greys, the blondes, the reptilians. Yeah, those pop up amongst the the menagerie of strange ET experiences. But when we're talking about repeatable archetypes across the variety of phenomenon, the sphere, the light orb, seems to be one of the most consistently... Um, common things to pop up whether it's you know these ufo orbs that seem to fly around and have spikes and shoot beams and give off radiation or these light spheres these light orbs which are associated with cryptids uh, there's the barden booger here in florida this classic skunk ape bigfoot type entity but he has the distinction of carrying this lantern. You see this okay. glowing orb of light first. And then when you get closer, you see standing next to the light is this Bigfoot. Uh, this pops up again and again. Of course, you have your ghost orbs and ghost hunting. But most of that is uh, it's bugs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anytime uh, I have a thing, especially here in Florida where people are investigating like Man, it, any ghost orb you got, it's a bug. There's just no way it's not a bug. There's bugs everywhere. We're covered in bugs. Right. Um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> and it, it's quite interesting, though, that those ghost orb videos kind of played into some research I was doing recently as a part of uh, my new project. And um, my new project focused on one of these cases around a metal sphere, a case I'm I'm sure you're familiar with. We talked a bit about oh, it a yeah. little bit at the before we hit record. Um the Betts sphere case. Excellent case. And one of those that like the more you find out about it and as you start researching it and you start peeling away the layers of the onion, the more you're just what is this thing? What what, what? it mm-hmm. there's no simple oh yeah, it was Farmer Smith out checking on his cows. There's, there's nothing like that in this case. So yeah, right. uh, I'll, I'll tell you what I I'm still trying to track down this other case. I'll, I'll tell you this, and then we'll get into the bet sphere because this is just one of those synchronicities that's too nuts that mm. I I have to share it. So as I say, I've got a like a think of think of it as like a, a bulletin board of uh, UFO cases, and I try and keep them in a chronological order, so by year year and then the case and there was one here i was looking about that time so 1980 and i thought maybe this is it so i googled it because it's the tamorden ufo mystery well this is that famous mm-hmm. case where they found the guy's body in the coal in the pile of coal the zygmunt adamski case yes but yeah, this is yeah. the crazy part Chaz. i never realized this until now because i just like i said i just put it in to see if it was the one i was talking about in scotland do you want to know where that happened uh, is it, it Calvin? Can I guess? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, I, I mean, it was in the town of Tamorden, but the guy, this, mm. this Polish coal miner, Zygmunt Adamski, where, where did he live? Still in the UK, no, I, I obviously. No but Tingley. Oh, wow. Look at that. 
Yeah, and, that's one of those yeah. Hellier-esque synchronicities. That's yeah. Bizarre. Yeah, that, that's it. I mean, this isn't like, oh, he lived in Johnsonville and I went to school with someone named Jim John. It's like, because I knew there was a borough in the UK because that's where my family surname comes from is... Uh, because I can trace my dad's family all the way back to the Mayflower and that going back to the UK. But I just saw it and I'm like, why is why is my name in this article? And then it's like, Zygmunt Adamski left his home in Tingley, wow. West York. Okay, well, that's that's interesting. Yes, yeah, that that's, <laughs> that's why I just wanted to share that well, really so quickly. I don't know if this is going to if this is relevant part of the synchronicity or not, but there's also a famous, famous air quotes. Uh, erotic <laughs> paranormal erotic writer named Chuck Tingley. Wow, <laughs> he writes. Uh, you've never heard of this? Oh, I'll send you some links. Have it's never, about, have like, never heard of it. Honestly, um, my gay Bigfoot lover, <laughs> you know, oh. gang banged by Draculas. It's like really crazy. <laughs> Well, crazy stuff. well, you know, as the old saying goes, man, different strokes for different folks. I guess as long you as <laughs> as long as they're all happy. Hey, that that lets you know how hard I go into my research. <laughs> yeah, there 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 are some Fun things. Intended. I mean, <laughs> there are some things not like that, but I'm, there there have been some things that I've dug into, and you'll see something like this constantly popping up. Not that, but something mm. similar, and you're just like, okay, um, this just keeps coming up. Okay, I think I've found this case. Uh, I'll just read it quickly and then we'll get into the bet spear because this, uh, I'll just give you folks a, a short, um, oh, yeah, yeah because spherical. <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause, cause I want, I want Chaz to be able to hear about this, but I don't want to ruin it for all the listeners at home when I get into the uh, article. So it says in ufology, the Taylor incident, and this is from Wikipedia. So wiki people don't get angry. I'm giving you it, giving you your footnote. AKA the Livingston incident or the Deckmont Woods encounter is the name given to claims of sightings of an extraterrestrial spacecraft on Deckmont Law in Livingston, West Lothian, Scotland in 1979. So I was right. It was 1979. I knew it was late seventies, early eighties by Forrester Robert Bob Taylor. And now that I remember it, I, re I remember uh, seeing this guy being interviewed on that program. So it says when Taylor returned home from a trip to Deckmont Law, disheveled, his clothes torn and with grazes to his chin and thighs, he claimed he had encountered a flying dome, which tried to pull him aboard. Due to his injuries, the police recorded the matter as common assault, and the incident is popularly promoted as the only example of an alien sighting becoming the subject of a criminal investigation, which is interesting in and of itself. He basically described, first he said he experienced uh, a foul odor, which again, with all your research into oh, UFOs, yeah. classic. Yep classic like burnt he he described it like burning breaks so what he said oh, was he yeah exactly that that's a very it's one of those smells it's kind of like yeah, um, it's an interesting detail yeah it's like uh cordite or sulfur it's just something that it's got that really distinct mm. smell i've been researching a case in southern africa around one of these light spheres but it seems to appear to different people in different shapes um but the that burnt smell that kind of tar burning smell is described in almost half of the cases of this light sphere wow, so it's okay. very interesting that it pops up in this one as well well it says according to taylor on november 9 1979 he parked his pickup truck at the side of a road near the motorway and walked along a forest path up the side of Deckmont Law with his dog, so he did have his dog with him. He reported seeing what he described as a flying dome, or a large circular sphere, approximately 7 yards, or 6.4 meters in diameter, 
hovering above the forest floor in a clearing about 530 yards or 480 meters away. Taylor described the object as dark metallic material with a rough texture like sandpaper, featuring an outer rim set with small propellers. Taylor claims he experienced a foul odor, like I said, and that smaller spheres, similar to sea mines, had seized him and were dragging him in the direction of the larger object when he lost consciousness. According to Taylor, he later awoke and the objects were gone, and he could not start his truck, so he walked back to his home in Livingston. To me, because I was a a butcher in a former life, I think of, like, we had a machine that we used to make cube steak, or here it we would call it schnitzel and it's basically two rollers right. it's got a bunch of blades and you feed the meat into it and that's almost what it seems like these things were trying to do was like feed him into the craft you see again like that one is like the Pas- pascagoula case it's just one of those that mm-hmm. it was so bizarre it's always stood out in my memory and we all know that as a nation uh nations i should say the uk mm-hmm. these kind of things is yeah, you, you will get the, the people that will have a bit of fun about it. But you once you get the police involved, I mean, 99% of hoaxers are going to drop oh, it. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. He, he bearing in mind, folks, this was 40 years ago, more than 40 years ago, 1979. So this wasn't somebody trying to get TikTok or YouTube famous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, the, the no one needs to be reminded that the, the police in the U.S., or not to be fucked with. <laughs> they'll, <laughs> they'll lock your ass up and they'll find a reason. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the, the law is secondary to all that shit. Yeah, it's, it's one of those scenarios that when you're, you're going to those lengths, going to those extent, it's one of those weird pieces of information and the paranormal's filled with them where skeptics will always say, well, they did it to be famous and then, believers will always say well who would do this to get famous it's ridiculous and again it's it's one of those things where you can interpret it you know yeah. kind of either way if you want i think to the average person when you really think about the scenario these people are putting themselves in going public and talking about these experiences and stuff they're pretty much risking their career in their lives uh the pascagoula guys were uh one of them was destitute never recovered like yeah it, it permanently fucked him up um there was no coming back and the other guy he ended up living with the other guy because like the other guy was able to keep his job and like hold stuff together but it's yeah. not like they they became celebrities or anything yeah there was yeah. no benefit they were just traumatized it's uh, a lot of these experiences most of these these people who go public they're looking for answers. They're looking to alleviate that weirdness, crowdsource uh, an explanation. Yeah, uh, and that's that seems to be the majority of times when when people go public. You do have your hoaxes here and there of people in Bigfoot costumes and yeah, things like yeah. that pop up, but it's it's usually because of these stories and legends that originated from the get. Where people are like, now people believe this is something happening. Now I can take advantage of it. Now I can maybe make some money from this if I create the, a hoax. Yeah. Um, it, the, the hoaxing is already, always a secondary element, right? Yeah. It, it never happens at the start. It, it happens kind of after these legends and archetypes and beliefs are formed. That's it. I mean, it brings us back to the surgeon's photo of the Loch Ness Monster. There have been, Mm -hmm. you can go back to St. Columba in Scotland and what was it, like 500 AD. So unless the surgeon was back then hoaxing, 
I mean, right. yeah, like you're saying that, I mean, again, the surgeon didn't make much money out of it, but the bottom line is that that's a perfect example right there of what you're saying. If, if there wasn't already this kind of tradition that there was this, this water creature in the lock, people probably would have said, yeah, whatever, this is a one-off and it's just BS. But because there was that tradition, it's like Bigfoot. I mean, obviously, we all know that yeah. Sasquatch has got an oral tradition from American Indians. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm I'm a quarter American Indian. I know it's something that it's almost not so much now, but even if you go back 50 or 100 years, people didn't want to talk about the devil because they kind of felt that the more you talked mm-hmm. about him, you'd talk him into existence. And that's very similar to Sasquatch. Native Americans as a group generally don't want to talk about it because they feel like the more that they talk about it, the more they're going to be inclined to appear, or show up. Right. Yeah. Like you say, I mean, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head of any hoax that I that you can point to and go, oh, yeah, that hoax was the beginning and the ending of all of the sightings of said creature. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of any. So, yeah, uh, excellent point. Well, there, so th- there is an interesting kind of new era of, of urban legend where you can kind of pinpoint that i think slender man's the oh yeah that's a good example where that did start but it wasn't started as necessarily a hoax to go out there and get people the idea was to create this you know spooky monster and you know tell this uh almost like a found footage version of an internet story that did seem to spark off true sightings and real witnessing and involved so much that kids were stabbing each other over it um <laughs> well that which plays into the ideas of tulpas and that's it that's what their- i was gonna say <laughs> yeah because like you say that and and that's an excellent point because i have actually mentioned that to other people before that that's one of the few things that we can actually pin it down to a place and a time that it was created right and it was around 2011, 2013, something like that for a creepypasta. Mm-hmm. Like you say, it was a contest. And it was basically... Mm-hmm. Something awful yeah. forums. Was okay. The, the, yeah, doing this contest. See, look at look at this, man. Like, you even know the forum site. This is, this is why <laughs> uh-huh. I love having you on, Chaz, because you don't, you know, you don't just kind of spout off half-cocked, um, well, you know, I'm pretty sure that the... Uh, the reason that the Loch Ness monster is never seen is because he's busy on the UFO hanging out with the Greys. Uh, don't quote me, but I'm sure I read that somewhere in the in the New York Post or something. So yeah, man. No, look, that's that's awesome. What I was gonna say about Ariel really quick was ironic. You mentioned that Ariel sighting because again, it's one of those that I know many people in this field, and that's one of the seminal cases that really. Mm-hmm. resonates with them for whatever reason they just drawn to it and and it's a good case don't get me wrong i am but it's because i think because i grew up reading about the stuff from the 60s and 70s you know 50s i mean even though it was like 30 years on at that time it's just that's what i got exposed to from a young age but that aerial case did you see the documentary that's come out not too long ago um i actually haven't had a chance to watch it yet it's on my watch list i've got a bunch of paranormal documentaries i'm supposed to be uh yeah getting through here um I, yeah, i've got hit it. or miss the yeah. genre yeah <laughs> but well that well, one is well I, i'm really interested in um uh, cynthia hines the researcher from zimbabwe who first um, uncovered the case i i have both of her books um she's long passed but i have both of her books in every edition of her UFO Afri News. 
Nice. Uh, you can find them online. There's a, a old forum that has these PDFs of them. Um, and yeah, so it, her research and that, that uh, the research of her colleagues in um, that was throughout the 80s, 90s in uh, Zimbabwe, South Africa. She covered the, the southern central African UFO cases. Um, and yeah, that, that case was kind of the, the big case of her career. She had a couple other ones. There was this one case with Van, Van Gruen, where they had to, um, it was essentially a debunking. This guy was coming up with a crazy story about a UFO crash. Never. Uh, in Botswana. Uh, yeah, he was like, <laughs> it, it turned out he had like 10 fake names and he had tried to sell a <laughs> UFO story in yeah. Germany prior. And, yeah. Oh yeah, total guy. And then she also worked the Elizabeth Clare case. Which I'm not sure if you're familiar with that one, but that one's very strange. Um, As with so many, um, I might like if you give if you give me the Cliff's notes, I might go, oh yeah, I know that one. I just might not remember uh, the name. So she was the woman who got banged out by this space Fabio dude. He was um, Akon was his name, super a handsome, a like Akon. Oh, I love it. Yep, she went lived on his planet for a few years, had a baby there. Uh, it's really, uh, like a very flowery, contacty kind of story. Right. But when you research it and get into the details, there's some weird shit about this woman's life. Like, she was involved in some weird intelligence stuff. Right. There were, she would like, um, in the later half of her life, she would stay, um, and she, in the off season, she would go and stay at this mountain resort in South Africa. And, um, she would, this old woman would hike up this trail and the people owning this resort said this helicopter, this military helicopter would land and pick her up, wow. fly her somewhere and then drop her back off. Um, and these, this couple saw this over the years. And on one instance, after she left shortly, um, or no, it was the day before she arrived, this super hot, space fabio guy walks in <laughs> he's wearing a weird jumpsuit and he's like is has elizabeth checked in yet and they're like um no she usually comes around this time of year though she'll she'll probably be coming in the next weeks or so right um and he's like oh i must have uh missed the date sorry and he walks out wow. and they notice that there's no cars in the parking lot there's no transportation wow. and he he's just walks vanished. out the door and almost almost vanishes Nice. Well, the next day she shows up for her, her retreat. And so she can do this hike and have this helicopter ride. But this time she has her newly published book with her and she gives the, um, the hotel owners a copy. And in the back, there's this drawing and it's a drawing of the man they saw wow. yesterday, supposedly, or the day before, supposedly this space, uh, Fabio, um, so yeah, it's a, a bizarre story. There's a lot of witnesses around the, um, her case where there is this high strangeness to it. The story in itself, totally unbelievable, but right. there is these, the, there's something going on. There, something inspired her to come up with this crazy story, seemingly. Um, and perhaps there are elements of truth buried in this, this really strange tale. Now, look, it's it's interesting you say that, and the reason is there are many cases like that where if you just look at them on the outside, 
you just can very, I shouldn't say normal. An average person may just say, oh, this is all BS. But once you actually start digging a little bit deeper, you're, well, how did they know this or like this, mm-hmm. what you just explained? One of the ones I think about is Billy Meyer and Billy Meyer's case. That's obviously extremely mm-hmm. uh, provocative one way or the other, depending on kind of what your, uh, what your feelings are about it. But the thing that's so interesting to me is there are things about that case, for example, well, how could this guy know this? Or or how did this happen with this guy out in the middle of nowhere in Switzerland? It's not like, again, these things are happening in kind of like the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. It's not now where you can take your, your smartphone and look up anything you want, basically. And yeah, it, it is very interesting with some of those things, even the ones that people just scream hoax, 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 one right. of the... Yeah, one of the ones to me that, again, I haven't got, like so many others, I haven't gotten to it, but Ingo Swan. Now, I've, I've known so many people who have told me, oh, that's all BS, and it's like, okay. Penetration is one yep. of the, <laughs> yeah, by one, double uh, entendre. Ingo Swan's yeah. Penetration. Oh, yes. One of my favorite uh, library bookshelf uh <laughs> Well, it's just that whole, to to me, it's the whole rings around Jupiter. Explain to me how, if he just made this up, because I've Mm -hmm. I've had many people tell me, oh, well, because he was so intelligent that he was just a charlatan, he just drew things and and made things up. It's like, okay, so how did he make up the rings around Jupiter that they didn't know about for two or three years? Yeah. yeah, How did he know about it? There there are... um, and again, I think there is, through my research, uh, it definitely shows that having a paranormal experience is very similar to having a psychedelic experience. And in that way, it can be a personality-altering situation. And I think a lot of these witnesses that may have had genuine experiences and experiences on a repeated basis, it's like... It's like what happens if you smoke too much DMT, you yeah. know, if, if you hang out in the psychedelic circles, if, if you grew up in Florida, let me say, uh, <laughs> then you know someone who's probably done a little too much of something and they're, they're, they're still normal. They can still like go to a job, yeah. but they, they have that, that stare and they're just a, a total disconnect in, in how their reality operates in, in certain aspects. And I think Billy Myers is a good example of that because it's hard to look at the later end of his life where he was like, oh, yeah, the world's going to like end on this day. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, it didn't yeah. and shit like that. Where, yeah. Yeah, he's clearly spoiler, kind of this Spoiler huckster. alert, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> he, he kind of became a, a bit of a huckster. Yeah. Uh, but that, that happens in a lot of these cases. Ernesto de la Fuente in my, uh, in the friendship case, right, which I right. wrote about my first book. He, at the end part of his life, was pretty, pretty crazy. He was talking about a lot of insane stuff. Very Bill- Billy Meyer-esque. But he was still on record. It's known that he was healed of this lung ailment. He had this right. I weird remember you mass in his yeah. lungs. He went to visit the friendship and came back and it was gone. And he had all this weird missing time and seemingly a genuine paranormal experience. Yeah, it's again, the experience is it's not something mundane. It's something that is it's reality bending. It it really is uh, altering to, to people, especially when you're just someone just walking down like a country road at night. It's it's different for folks like me who I'm like, come on, induct me. I'm, I'm yeah, ready. I'm yeah. here. I'm doing yeah. the, the rituals. I'm ready. 
come get me. Someone, it, it's like getting dosed. If you if you were yeah. just to be like walking around and you take a bite of your sandwich and there was a tab of acid, yeah. Well, you're gonna have a, a pretty rough day. Yeah, <laughs> you it's, know? It's it's someone someone like be... Travis Walton. Yeah, you're out there freaking cutting down right. trees, and the next thing you know, oh damn, sorry right. we hit you with that beam, buddy. We'll just take you on board and mm. fix you up. Yeah. Mm. Don't don't worry about those five or six days you can't remember. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know you didn't need those anyways. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's it's bizarre situations, and um, it, again, it's another one of those pieces of evidence where there's people who look at my research and say, "Well, look at this guy. He's proved that paranormal experiences match up with psychedelic experiences," which means these people are clearly just under the influence of something they're just hallucinating maybe they have there's a gas leak or there's something yada yada and that's why they're having a paranormal experience it's just a hallucination um, so so which, what was what's the other one i heard before um cosmic rays cosmic rays hit the person in the right part of their brain and uh-huh, cause them to have a hallucination yeah cause them to have a hallucination uh-huh. yeah <laughs> Well, and so, yeah, skeptics might use that to check it off where I, in fact, believe, and again, I'm on the other side of this coin, so I'm playing the game. Yeah. But I believe that that shows that the phenomenon is more real than some kind of crazy conspiracy about aliens traveling from a distant galaxy to steal our nuclear weapons or whatever. You know, that's a really cool story. It's <laughs> yeah. awesome yeah. Star Trek episode. Great premise for Halo. <laughs> but, um, yeah. again, it's clearly a human story. It's clearly yeah. a, we're applying our logic to a situation that is clearly illogical. And yeah. what is something else illogical on this planet? Well, the psychedelic experience. Yeah. And if we look through our history, shamanism is the history of or the science i should say of interacting with these kinds of entities where there was this understanding that these substances are technology in their own right if you will yeah it's it's something that that has a a tangible effect on reality it's not just funny lights yeah. um it's, yeah. it's something more and that that reality seems to be where the paranormal sits. It sits somewhere in there. And as such, it's tied to our consciousness and our perceptions and our to the human condition. And I think that's why we see it evolve alongside us. That's why it it almost morphs to meet our expectations. You know, if everyone believes in aliens, then very well could be these entities manifest as aliens and they're just as yes. real as you and I, we create these egregores back to Slender Man. Whether it's true or not doesn't necessarily factor into the equation. If the story's good enough, it becomes truth. And that's the basis of religion. You know, anyone who disagrees with that idea will go argue with the Pope because he's (laughs) he's the one using it. I'm just pointing it out. Yeah, like you say, I mean, look, it's it's one of those things where I had this conversation with someone a while back. I can't even remember who it was, but it wasn't on air. They basically said, oh, isn't it frustrating that this, this or this hasn't been um, uh, definitively explained or confirmed? I'm like, no, not to me. Well, what do you mean? I said, it, it seems to be this thing in not all, but yes, of course, the vast majority of humanity seems to want to be able to 
put things in these little boxes and and label it and say this is definitely this and this is definitely that. But I think mm-hmm. that people like you and I that have, I mean, you probably had more than I have, but I mean, I've had my own experiences I've talked about. And I just have personally, I have these these feelings that there's things out there that I can't easily explain. I can sit right. here and I can postulate. But if I don't have the answer, I don't get all upset about it and throw a tissy fit about it. It, it, it is what it is. And there are going to be some things that in a hundred years they'll look back and they'll laugh at us and say, "Oh yeah, well that was always this, and it's explainable." The same way we look back at the the conquistadors turning up in Mexico and the Aztecs thinking that Cortez was a god, and we sit here and we we laugh right. at them for being so ignorant. But again, I, I'm not the guy who has to have the explanation. Again, I've from my research and and people that I've got a lot of faith in and what they do, people like yourself. Yeah, I can I'll have my my best guess, but I'm never. I never nail it to the cross because things can always change. You could come out tomorrow and say, hey, JT, I know I've done this research in that, but I found a flaw in it. And then what do you do? It's like, oh, no, my, my worldview was wrong. And, and then so many people just double down and go, no, you're wrong, Chaz. H- hang yeah. on. If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have even known <laughs> you know what I'm saying. But yeah, but you're wrong. So yeah, I do have a yeah, chuckle no, with that. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's something that pervades in the, the paranormal. People have their theories and yeah. they're very big proponents of that theory. And they'll argue their points and say, no, it has to be this. It has to be that. Where I've got a lot of theories. Yeah. I entertain almost all of other people's theories. I love them. I've got a few of my own. And if you point out a hole in them, I'm like, yeah, you're right on on that one i agree it's not perfect and that's because it. none of them are perfect if, that's it, it. if there was a perfect theory it wouldn't be theory it would be we would have our alien in a jar you know we would be <laughs> at that next step I, I really try to take it from that bottom up approach if you're going into a, a case with the, a theory in mind then you oh, start yeah. you've already failed picking yeah. and choosing and yeah. yeah you're trying to find evidence that confirms to it and you've just created this pointless echo chamber it, um, it reminds me of growing up with those, uh, wait, again, I'll, I'll age myself a bit here, but when I was growing up, we had these choose your own adventure books and what you would do is it's like, let's <laughs> say it was, I remember that. Was... <laughs> oh, this was, this was before goosebumps. This was choose your own adventure. Oh, wow. This was back in the eighties. <laughs> there was one I remember as a kid at pirate treasure. And okay, if you do this, turn to page 40. If you do this, turn to page 60. And the old trick is that you'd hold your hand on the original page and you'd get to 60 and it'd be like, <laughs> You are attacked by a shark. No, 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 I didn't. I didn't turn the page. So I'll go back to 40. And it's kind of like, the, like you say, <laughs> yeah. going, going into this with like the preconceived notion that I must get this result or this outcome. It's just a fool's errand because you're only going to sit there and bias everything out by that. That's why, you know, I get so many people say to me in general, Oh, you must be a true believer. It's like, Oh, no, I'm the furthest thing from it. I'm not a, I'm not a full blown skeptic. I'm in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there have been cases, man, growing up or uh, even some of these just mysterious things. And I'm like, that was always so cool. And now as an adult, I've looked into it and I found out, well, there really wasn't a lot to it. It was like there was this little basis, yeah. a lot of fiction that's grown up after it as people have kind of written stories and, and kind of made up things sense it's it's kind of like the whole thing in the graveyard oh there's a tombstone with no markings on it it must have been a witch was buried there or something and the reality is is the tombstone was damaged and you know what i'm saying it's like there's there's a mundane explanation but we love these big grand conspiracy things and so many of these i've looked into it especially like those the whole i say the graveyards or the town with the haunted house and then you look like Mm -hmm. there was one 
I remember I looked into it and it was like, oh, this house is haunted and it was in Pittsburgh on it goes back and this house was haunted and that the house blew up and all these people died. And then you look, I looked into it and it was really cool because how it ended up, it was no such house ever existed. But to this yeah, day, there are people course. that go to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Oh, I want to see this, this mansion. It's a um, haunted house. Uh -huh. Yeah. And it was really cool because the guy I had on, he's uh, like an urban explorer in Pennsylvania. And we did, you know, I, I could kind of say, have you ever heard of this house? And it was called like Hell House or something like that. And that was it, man. In the end, it, it was such a good story that it never happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of these paranormal cases are like that. And they, they have their origins in dubious um, means. And I think when you look at window areas and things like that, you'll always find that there's an older story. Yeah. Um, I think Pascagoula, we were talking about earlier, is a good example. That little stretch of river where yeah. those two guys were abducted is the Singing River. And it's called that because in the, the 1700s, the French governor of Louisiana was on a camping trip in that area. And um, he heard this ghostly song. And he asked his native guides, like, well, what's that? And he, he, they said, oh, that's the ghosts of this one tribe. They were facing um, annihilation from this other superior warrior-based coalition of tribes. And so instead of facing enslavement, they decided to march into the wow. river and drown themselves chanting this death song. To this day, people report hearing this ghostly song. And it just so happens that this same small stretch of river is the area where these guys are abducted by wow. aliens. Wow. It's, again, this high strangeness. And it really seems to be, whether the story is true or not, if a location has one of these stories, it suddenly becomes possible in your subconscious that these things could happen, right? Well, you're, yeah. You're, it's, it's something that I use, do all kinds of weird psychedelic experiments in my research, but always reminding myself that the original psychedelic experience is storytelling. It's picturing that image in your head. If you've thought of any of the aliens we've talked about while listening to this, then you've pictured this entity and that picturing is a hallucination it's it's happening internally it is yes. a psychedelic experience and you know we take it for granted because we use it so often all of these locations seemingly have that story that little piece of of possibility that kind of allows the seed if you will that allows your mind to accept that something else might be going on that there is a, a reality beyond your reality and just accepting that a little bit seems to be enough to allow all kinds of weird entities to appear and events to occur that are outside of our, our understanding. Yeah, and again, it's the same thing that shamans reported when they take a bunch of psychedelics. So it's, it's interesting. And um, when we look at traditional cultures, shamans are oftentimes the storytellers as well. They hold these oral traditions that are the... The stories are held in the same regard as the psychedelic substances that they use. So it's it's certainly something that I think is important in the paranormal phenomenon. And how we interact with these stories, I think, is also important, too. You know, it's something that we understand I, or we're beginning to understand and people are beginning to use in politics, too. You know, with yeah. QAnon and things yeah. like that, yeah. where... That that stuff, there's no evidence for it, but it is a pretty crazy story. Like, it is fun to read about yeah. and learn yeah. about because it's, it's a good story. 
and people are willing to believe a good yes. story. Doesn't yep. matter <laughs> if it's true or not. Facts are are secondary. And if, if there's anything the internet has really taught us, I think that's oh, yeah. that's the truth. Is that there is no definitive truth. That we're we're living in uh, our different realities, and there is um, not as much middle ground as people thought. <laughs> Well, uh, what what do you call it? Uh, suspension of disbelief? Yeah, mm -hmm. as you say, I mean, uh, again, not to wade too deep into the political stuff, but all you have to do oh, is yeah. look <laughs> at the way that any news story is spun from one network that mm -hmm. tends to lean more one direction or the other. And then it's like on the one side, oh, this, this guy is yeah. completely incompetent because he did this. And then the other side is like, no, he's just cunning. It was all a ploy. Yeah. It's, it's a plan to... Well, we, again, uh, yeah. we see it. We see it in the paranormal, whether, it, well, that ghost is a demon. No, that ghost is a, a time traveler. You yes. Know, you, you have people and they're arguing their, their stories. They're not arguing about what's true or what's happening. Actually, they're, they're spinning it to fit this, this narrative. We're, we're all guilty of doing it. We do it with our own reality. It's part of how yeah. our brains work. We find patterns. We organize information. It's, it's what makes us so efficient. It's, but it also is a handicap, and it is especially when we're we're trying to understand subjects that are I don't really like the term beyond the understanding, but where the subject where our mentality, our consciousness is part of the equation. Yeah. You know, it's like a, a gear trying to understand how the clock works. And yeah. It's, yeah. you're, you're going to be missing not only you might be able to figure out, well, I turn and that turns that one and then that one turns that one. And you can figure out this, but you have no notion of the concept of time. Yes. And so you're missing the biggest piece of the entire equation, the why, the, the, the how, the philosophy. That is what we're kind of dealing with when we look at these, these fringe subjects is what, what is the clock doing? What are, what's happening? What's the philosophy behind the, the glitches in our reality? Oh, yeah. And me personally, again, just, just as you were saying, our own mental perception. It's been shown so many times in case studies. Uh, for example, they'll tell you to remember something that happened 10 years ago, and maybe it was recorded, and you remember it in a different way than it actually happened because of our own internal biases mentally. And again, it doesn't make you a bad person or an evil person. It's just how the, how the brain works. Like you say, I mean, I've always been fascinated by how interconnected all of this is, all of this kind of strangeness. It hasn't happened to me, and the reason it hasn't happened to me, I think, is just my theory on it. As I told you, yeah, I've experienced quite a few times where I've experienced, for lack of a better term, ghosts or spirits. I don't really know what it was. I don't know. I, I mean, in at least one case, I'm pretty sure it was someone I knew in life that was intelligent, but I never saw an apparition or anything. So many people right. who will have an experience like that, then in a few years, oh, they see a cryptid or they see a UFO. I've not had that happen, but it's it's like that whole 
the old thing about you pull the string on your sweater and then you mm-hmm. just keep pulling and pulling and then all of a sudden it's oh, okay now i can see how this was all weaved together that's what brings keeps bringing people like me anyway back to this it, it yes the mystery is part of it but it's it's just that it's kind of like that whole thing where we've seen it so many times in movies or cartoons and it's the carrot with the stick mm-hmm. and the carrot is just that much further ahead of yeah, you than you can keep up there. with yeah uh-huh. and it's just like oh i people from everyone from jay allen to so many of these other researchers, John Keel, uh, Mac, and so many others. It's like they always felt they're just on the edge of that breakthrough and they're just going to, over 40 years, it just keeps happening. Oh, I'm just on the edge. I can mm-hmm. almost I can almost nail it down. And at the end of the day, all they can really do is give their best guesses, their best theories. And I guess that's why, to me, so many people that are infinitely more intelligent than I am have had so much more time to research and everything else. They, at the, at the end of the day, they may have uncovered one little corner of the giant mural, you know, but they, and they may have dots across the map. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I know this, but I don't know where it fits. It's like that giant jigsaw puzzle. To me, I'm, I hope, I, I don't know for sure, but I often like to say that when my time is up on the earth and I'm going to get the answers, I, of course, I don't know that I will, but I, I really do hope so. It definitely puts a different spin on, on our mortality that at the end of it, it's like, okay, here's the jigsaw. Now you can see it before whatever comes next, whether it's just hanging around in a dark void or or coming back as somebody's dog or who knows what the hell is going to happen after. Hmm. It's just one of those things throughout my life, there might be times you get busy and I spend a few years and I really don't focus on it and I'll just see something or I'll, I'll see a documentary or something and it just pulls me back in. I've, and I can't think of anything else in my life that I just can't get away from the high strangeness tapestry at the end of the day. It's just there's always something there to fascinate me and I think even if everything, if somebody came out and said, I can prove all of this and this is what it was. Okay, that's great. So now what about all the stuff that's going to be happening from now forward? It's still going to go on. Mm -hmm. So I know I'm kind of weaving us all over and I always love our our, uh, conversations, (laughs) but I want to allow you to, to tell us about something that is really important that you touched on just a little bit before. Folks, um, I'm going to let Chaz explain because I, it's been long enough. I am conscious of it, but I just don't know the details like he would about this case. So there's this famous, I don't know if UFO is the, the right term to use, but it's definitely high strangeness and kind of UFO related. And that is this famous case of the Betts sphere that happened in Florida. Am I right? It was Florida? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yep. near, near and dear to Chaz's heart, Chaz is always brilliant to come on and talk about all of this. This is what he really wants to to talk a bit about, folks. So I'm going to turn it over and, and Chaz, you just talk about it for as long as you'd like, and then we'll go from there. The the Betts case was something that, that I didn't really expect myself to be researching as in depth as I did, but it was a, uh, a story that had been told a couple times, and actually there's a really great podcast, Oddball, by Lindsay Kilbride. She was a local journalist there in Jacksonville who did this five episode documentary series about it really looking at it from the like is it real is it fake kind of what happened right kind of angle classic classical journalism but being who i am with my bizarre unique expertise i ended up finding a lot more to this case in the paranormal realm that really hadn't been discussed and so for those unfamiliar the Betts case uh, occurred in the spring of 1974 on this island just north of jacksonville florida called fort george island and on that island a a family the Betts family lived in this very strange home and we'll get into the home in a minute one day their adult son terry he found this uh, metal sphere on the island 
And some stories say it was in uh, in a bushfire in right. a circle of burnt grass. Others say that's that's just elaboration, that's uh, exaggeration. So immediately already the story from the consent is very murky. Right. But he takes it home and he does so thinking it might be an historical artifact like a cannonball or something like that uh, because this island has, has hundreds, thousands of years of history. So he takes it home and puts it in his room and it sits there for a couple weeks doing nothing. And one day he's playing a guitar in the room and the ball starts to vibrate and hum. Yes, that's right. Yeah. move around. And soon it starts to move around and roll around the house on its own. And it does so with this seeming intelligence. It'll follow people around. It'll seemingly navigate stairs. One radio, one witness, uh, Ron Kravitz, he was a late night radio guy. He was kind of like the local coast to coast, uh, paranormal radio show. Right. Uh, back in the, the seventies, the heyday of terrestrial radio. And he got involved and went and saw the, the sphere at the home and he was wanting to take pictures outside and he was getting the tour of the house and the sphere rolled from the center of the table to the edge of the table and kind of like dangled off in this gravity defying way and it wiggled at them kind of being like, Hey, don't forget me. Like if you're going outside. I want to go outside. Like really kind of like a pet cat or a, a dog. Strangely, the, the family did have a, a small pet dog and the dog hated the sphere. It would whine and, and whimper if it was held close to it. Wow. Um, um, it, it kind of steered clear of the thing entirely. And so quickly it, it spread from local news to national news. People were talking about this mysterious sphere. Uh, J. Allen Hynek got involved at that point. He actually investigated the sphere on three def different occasions. Wow. Um, one occasion at the house, once in New Orleans as part of a National Enquirer panel, which that panel was actually, when they were investigating the sphere, it was surrounded with some weird high strangeness stuff that was similar to what occurred in the Mothman investigations. Wow. Um, and the book, I believe the Mothman prophecies hadn't been published yet. It was published that year, but it hadn't been published yet. And they got this weird panicked phone call of someone imitating Jerry Betts, um, the, the matriarch of this family and her son terry like got the first flight home and they rushed home and his mom was like what why what are you doing here i'm perfectly fine like why wow. why are wow. you here like go back to new orleans what are you doing but and there was this they were kind of miffed the family blamed the national Enquirer. they thought the newspaper was up to some some fuckery yeah but j allen hynek felt so bad about this confusion and was adamant that it wasn't they had nothing to do with this weird um, doppelganger phone call that he went to the home and investigated it and there's even a a theory that he wound up with the ball one version is that he stole it and swapped it with a fake another version is that the family actually gave it to him for safekeeping the navy also got involved at this around this time as well and conducted tests x-rays and different uh, various scientific tests on this sphere to try to figure out what it was 
Right. And Jerry Betts, she was an interesting character. She was a very prominent businesswoman and in the 70s. It was a, a tricky thing to beat. Um, she had a real estate company and a trucking company. And being this, this clever and shrewd businesswoman, she drew up a contract with the Navy that said they had to give her the sphere back if it wasn't their technology. Right. So they conducted these tests and they told the family one thing. And when they refused to hand over the, the sphere, they said, yeah, there's some some weird stuff on the inside of it. It looks bizarre. It's it's certainly something strange. And when the family well said, okay, well, it's not yours. We're going to keep it then. Right. They released to the public this other story. They said, oh, no, there's nothing. It's just a metal ball. <laughs> nothing going yeah. on. Yeah. And, nothing to see uh, here. Yeah. Well, the local media kind of pounced on it. They found another ball that, that kind of looked like it, and it was from a this oh, pump right. gauge yeah. for a paper mill. And that's this right, kind of yeah. became the explanation. They found an artist who had a bunch of them in his van that fell off the back while he was driving around Jacksonville, <laughs> which, again, the ball was found on an island north of Jacksonville. So that explanation right off the bat, it's it's um I think the Skeptoid podcast is one of the the one that made that explanation really popular they're like oh yep we found a guy he dropped it yeah the guy found it but it's that is so far it's it's on an island it's not even anywhere near jacksonville proper it's completely in a different location <laughs> it's it, quite a strange story if there, there's a lot of uh missing elements yeah, let's say yeah. for that sphere to wind up there um but the the betts family jerry betts was like cool fine everyone thinks it's fake awesome. I'm done talking about it. She was this prominent businesswoman. And all of a sudden, over the course of a couple of weeks, her phone now is nonstop ringing with UFO investigators. People are showing up to her house at all hours of the night, knocking on the door, random times, asking to see the sphere, supposedly wow. representing various research organizations, ruining her, her business. Yeah, yeah. And so when this debunking comes out, she's like, cool. She like brushes her hands of it. She's done talking about it. She does no more interviews. The family stops talking about this sphere. Nearby friends of the family, they actually t said there might have been another reason for this. They told close friends that something had happened to the sphere, whether it was the Navy or the tests run by J. Allen Hynek. It wasn't behaving like it used to. It might have this, this certain, it might move a little bit here or there, but it's not, it's not moving with any of this intelligence anymore. It, it seems to have been altered in some way, maybe right. swapped out. Uh, again, some, there's a theory right. that J. Yeah. Allen Hynek actually stole it, um, <laughs> which another friend of the family said that it was handed over for safekeeping. And they didn't say who they handed it over to, but J. Allen Hynek would probably be the guy. Yeah. <laughs> if I were living back in that, time yep. and i was like hey i need to give this ufo to someone yeah yep. <laughs> right it, it would be him and it would be valet today yep. yeah it'd be a very short <laughs> but, list uh, yeah. right there, there's very few and any of the listeners if you have a ufo i'll look after it for <laughs> you. <laughs> put me on that list me too yeah. i don't have to be at the top but like <laughs> four or five come on <laughs> i need it for experiments that's it. Uh, but they, the family was kind of done with it. And to this day, Jerry Betts doesn't do interviews or talk about it. She does have a small online presence. She paints. You can buy some of her paintings and a lot of them show like vistas of Florida swamps and stuff. It's, 
they're they're very nice, but don't go ask her about the UFO stuff. She's not involved in that part, that story anymore. Yeah, she's um, over and it. Yep. That's completely fair, right? It's it's just a window and it's just a, this crazy spring of her life which yeah. A successful life of lots of businesses, lots of family. She ran for Florida Congress. It was, uh, she's a very storied woman. Doesn't want the, this crazy sphere to be the story of her life. All respect to that. And for the most part, that is how the story's been remembered. It's been remembered as this weird sphere that moved on its own. There's even a little ancient alien snippet in, in one of the episodes. About okay, it. I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's around. It's not, you know, obviously the best case. No one got abducted or probed <laughs> by any aliens. There's not a bunch of the, the in-your-face high strangeness like Travis Walton case or yeah. Pascagoula. So it, it kind of took this second seat. I initially wanted to go out and see where this this island where it happened and go look at this this house where it supposedly occurred and that's where i've discovered the first strange thing that led me to believe or led me to want to research this house further that was this the house is not only called the bets house it's also called the neff house and i quickly discovered that there's a whole other paranormal file about this house really a haunting related file yeah the just classic paranormal beef the ghost hunters and the ufo guys they're not talking to each other <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but for almost a century that this house well it was uh four decades by the time jerry betts moved in but this house had been collecting ghost stories. Wow. Um, the house itself, it's this Trudor style. It looks like a castle. It really looks more at home in a, on a hill in Bavaria than it would right. here in the, the Florida swamps. And it is built on a hill. It's built on Mount Cornelia, which it's not a mountain. It's, it's a tiny hill, but yeah. we're, we're Florida. We don't have a lot of those. So <laughs> yeah. we like to, to talk it up. And it is the highest point in Duval County. It's the highest point in, in the whole Jacksonville area. And the house is, is built onto it. And it's, it, you enter through this conical tower. To the left is this grand hall building. The ceilings are, are massive. It, it looks like this castle hall. There's like seven fireplaces. It's wow. really this strange structure. It was built by Melvin Greeley. He was a famous architect. He was the dean of Jacksonville Architects in the 20s and 30s. You know, okay. when, or in the 10s when you know being a architect was like the fanciest job one could have. Yeah. And it has 17 different levels. There's all kinds of weird wow. step ups and step downs and like half floors. It's kind of like a miniature Winchester I was, house. Yeah, it, I was just going to say, yeah. It has doorways in the middle of walls that are six feet up with no steps. It has all these weird... It's, it's very strange. It's the, it ha has a very liminal kind of feel about it. And it was built for Nettleton Neff. He hired Greeley to build this house. They were both members at the nearby Rebolt Club. And he wanted this, this summer home. And he, he had this idea of this grand home. And Gre Greeley drew these drawings to match it. The tragedy struck the family before any of them could move in. 
there. Boxes and stuff arrived, but they never ended up coming to the homes themselves. Nettleton's nep wife, uh, Nettleton Neff's wife, <laughs> tongue twister on that one, <laughs> died in a mysterious fire at one of their other properties. Wow. Uh, their son was attending Harvard. He disappeared for two weeks and was found dead in an apple orchard. And then Nettleton Neff killed himself in his office in Chicago. And so this house sat empty. And at the time it was built, Fort George Island had kind of become like this Gatsby golden age, like hangout for Jacksonville's elite. There was a golf course. They had this fancy club. The Great Depression hits at the same time as this this house gets built. And this family never moves in. And so the golf course gets swallowed by the, the Florida swamp. You could never tell nowadays that there was a golf course there. It, it's completely gone. There's some patches of sand that used to be sand yeah. traps, but that's, that's it. This house, the whole time, this castle is sitting on top of this hill. And it starts to collect stories from, yeah. you know, the local people. Kids start driving out there on dares trying to, you know, get close to the house. They hear strange music and see strange lights and figures um, inside and around the house. It sits that way for several decades until Jerry Betts hears about it. She's the first person to move into the house. Wow. And it sits empty and collects ghost stories until she moves in. And she herself had experienced ghostly activity in the house. There there's uh, articles written before the sphere that where she talks about having a dinner party and these plates smashing themselves on the ground by themselves, teleporting out of this locked pantry with guests in the house to, to witness it. She saw the lights on the property as well. And she was rational lady. She was like, this is... Uh, clearly like phosphorus <laughs> in the soil there must be some kind of like weird chemicals in the water that right are creating this yeah she was like oh no we definitely hear and see weird stuff though that's for sure and then they happened to find this sphere and i thought that was super bizarre that oh, no yeah. one had made this connection that this the the bulk of this sphere where it moved around the most was inside this this haunted home yeah, that is fascinating. Um, was it just a, a mundane sphere being piloted by these entities? It was the like a the house is a, a giant Ouija board, and the sphere yeah. became a planchette. But then there was another piece of information that kind of shook this story for me and and changed my perspective about it again, and really convinced me that it's a high strangeness one. The the haunting in the house it elevated the bet story beyond just. Some weird UFO story. Maybe it's a hoax. Maybe it's real. To one like Pascagoula, right? Where, okay, it took place in a haunted house. The whole island has hundreds of years of history. There's a plantation with all kinds of ghostly legends on the island. There's French explorers and Native American burial grounds, all kinds of stuff. Um, if you want to get all of the, the ghost stories, pick up the book. <laughs> I got to leave something for, yeah, of course. for the readers out of there. Course. But what convinced me that, okay, it, it has this history. It has this ghostly history. And then there's this weird UFO case in the 70s. All right, yeah. it's pretty intriguing. The the thing that really made it more intriguing, that made me like, okay, well, I need to tell people about this, was, ironically, was the the famous UFO videos, the Navy UFO videos that were released. Yes. Um, the Tic Tac one yes. filmed in 2004. And then the Gimbal filmed in 2015 and the Go Fast filmed in 2015 on the same day. And the Gimbal's the one everyone knows. It's that black saucer looking thing that rotates. 
it's kind of become the the poster child of UFO images. But filmed on that same day and by that same crew running training missions was the Go Fast video. Right. And that shows a, a metal sphere right above the ocean, and it is hauling ass. I mean, it's it's going real fast, <laughs> which is why they named it that. In all the discussions of these videos, you know, are they real? Are they fake? What's happening? What could they be? Is it spy technology? Is it something the Air Force hasn't told the Navy about? There's all these discussions. What no one's brought up is that that video is being filmed off the coast of Fort George Island. It is only a few miles in wow. the direction of the sphere. It appears to be heading towards the island. This sphere is being filmed where 40 years ago, the Navy hands-on investigated a metal sphere that moved on its own. Right to the south of Fort George Island is Mayport Naval Station. And that was where the USS Roosevelt, the aircraft carrier, was stationed where these flight, these training flights were being flown. Right. That led me to look deeper into Mayport Naval Station. And I found that Mayport Naval Station had several encounters with UFOs. Encounters that predate the Bet Sphere and that J. Allen Hynek and other investigators that were investigating the sphere at the time did not know about. That Mayport yeah. Station, just to the south, they had been buzzed by a UFO, but not just like a couple nightmen saw one. They scrambled fighter jets. The, the alarms were raised. We had a stern talking to afterwards. The don't tell anyone about this. Yeah. Typical military hush, hush, hush job. And there was another incident in between the uh, bet sphere and the filming of these 2015 UFO videos. And so now the story becomes a little more intriguing. It starts to seem like a pretty big coincidence that the Navy just happened to film one of these objects in the same location where 40 years ago they had one of these things in their custody. And that lines up with all kinds of paranormal research that these things appear on these cycles that they appear in locations repeated. There gets into all kinds of the conspiracies about where they build military bases and why certain things are, certain places are chosen. It's, it's certainly a intriguing aspect of that story, uh, especially when it comes to these videos that are, are causing so much discussion. You know, it's, it's not a world beater. Again, we all know the government's lying to us. They're not telling us the full story. <laughs> yeah. Not everything they know. But in that specific case, we can point to it. It's almost like the Calvin photo. And now I feel bad for shitting on it. <laughs> Where it points out, we know that these videos they just released, they know more about it than they're telling us. They, they absolutely, at least when it comes to that sphere that they're filming, they know something. It, it, it's quite a bizarre coincidence that they're, again, having repeated encounters with these objects in this vicinity. It starts to become a little more than just, oh, look at this weird random encounter we had. And, you know, maybe the pilots who are running these training missions, they didn't, they're not in the loop, but someone at that station, I, I believe, knows uh, a little bit about why these objects, or at least what time and, and how, these objects are appearing in this area. Well, the thing that I find fascinating about this, just as as you've been kind of telling this backstory, is that, so for example, the whole idea of the sphere, and I never actually thought about it until just hearing what you've had to say about the, 
the naval bases and the filming in that in the area. I shouldn't say we all know, but in general, if you know a bit about the ocean and you know about a bit about pressure and that, this is why we have historically used bathyscapes, I think that's the right one, mm -hmm. that are round because it allows the object mm -hmm. to take the pressure equally on all surfaces so you don't get the crushing that you would in like a hole of a submarine. And I find it fascinating that here you've got this sphere that turned up on this island, very close obviously to the ocean, where you've got the Navy encountering these objects. Now, you may have already mentioned it, but roughly how large was the sphere, Chaz? Um, so the sphere was uh, a little larger, I believe it was a little larger than two feet in diameter. Um, so it was a pretty, yeah. pretty good sized metal sphere. There's photos available of, um, you can see Terry bets with the sphere. Um, it might have actually been slightly smaller. Maybe it was 22 inches. All um, good. I'm, I'm but gonna... I might be mixing it up with the, uh, the the pump ball that supposedly is the same. Right. Okay, yeah, I, I so, see it here. I actually, believe it or not, I'd never seen a photo of it. I just heard the story. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it here, and it looks like a, oh, it's larger than kind of like your typical crystal ball you'll see. Mm -hmm. But it, it, it's yeah, about... A, a little bigger than a bowling ball is, yeah. is how I describe it. Yeah, and it is yeah. a really interesting photo. And then they've also... Because I'm just, I haven't clicked on it, but you've got the whole uh, menagerie of photos. And they've got that ball down here that you were talking about that's got like a valve in the side of it. Mm. And again, unless you ground off that valve and filled it in, it's got a freaking hole in the side of it. And the bet sphere didn't. So, yeah. Well, and, and these spheres are something that, that, again, they pop up over and over again. There's actually, recently there was one that fell in Mexico. But um, years ago, a couple decades ago, there was one in Mexico as well that actually it fell through a cow and wow. obliterated this, this <laughs> you know, bovine. Because of that, there was an investigation. An animal died, a piece of property. So there were these, these people who looked into it. And yeah, supposedly there is this professor down there in Mexico who has a sphere that seems to, um, or at least it used to, display the same properties wow. as the bet sphere. And I'm in touch with an investigator in the UK that claims that he is has one as well. He's in touch with a, a family that has one or a group okay. that has one. But the information coming from from them hasn't been. Uh, let, let me say I, yeah. I've been I've yet to be convinced. Yeah, not <laughs> filled you with confidence. I got you. Yeah. yeah. There's like some really unconvincing videos of it, supposedly. And every time I've been like, can I like have some more information? I get the, oh, go check the Facebook page. Oh, it'll be on the Facebook page. Yeah, There's nothing yeah. on the Facebook page. Stop telling me to go to the Facebook page. <laughs> um, yeah, the, these spheres are, are something that pop up again and again. And there's lots of well-documented um, videos of of these sphere UFOs, um, even from the Chilean government and the French government, they've filmed videos of, of these spheres, you know, flanking around other larger craft. Right. And that's was reported by the, the witnesses filming those 2015 videos is that the gimbal one was flanked by a bunch of these spheres. And that when the spheres started scattering, that's when they tried to zoom in and capture this go fast video. 
Yeah. So it's it's intriguing. It's definitely part of it. The those same re, uh, UK researchers they're onto that this concept that these spheres actually are able to turn invisible, and that they're oh. not only responsible for UFO sightings but for poltergeist activity. Again, it's a pretty out there theory. It's one of those top down theories, and I think they're really picking pieces of evidence that match up with it. Right. But it is it's intriguing, especially when. When it comes to the Betts house. So I, I did. I borrowed some of their ghost tech and was trying out their like weird technology um, to see if it would have a reaction in this house where you have ghostly legends and UFO sphere legends. It's kind of the perfect place to test their uh, theory. But one of the more intriguing things that I noticed through their, their hypothesis and the research was um, and this loops back to what I said way earlier about ghost orbs. I said I was going to bring it back up. I'm right. moving it all the way around. One of their their hypothesis of why they think UFO spheres and ghost orbs are poltergeists that they cause ghostly activity is because they have all of these videos of these spheres moving around and they play it alongside these ghost orbs you know being captured by black and white thermal cameras moving around right, and right. again as discussed those are just they're, they're bugs you're filming bugs yeah. bugs catching the glare of the camera <laughs> no it's rods but I think it's, it's rods okay i'll die on that hill <laughs> <laughs> it's well i think it's very interesting i think they've accidentally stumbled onto something right with that that these ufos they are because they're right the ufos are traveling like those quote-unquote ghost orbs like those bugs they're flying in a way that is very similar to how insects fly and right. uh, i think we got yes, on into this yes. last time with the bee theory it yes. all comes back to the bees yes <laughs> Um, so we better stop so killing was, off all the bees because, um, who knows, uh, that might be the trigger point. <laughs> it might have nothing to do with the nukes. It might be, okay, they've wiped out the bees, send in the yeah. shock troops. Or maybe that's what is causing the bees to be wiped out. Governments are racing to shove them inside of UFOs as fast as they can. <laughs> it, it, it could be. And that's the thing about something like this. We have a bit of fun and we have a bit of a chuckle. But as you say, we we don't know. That's just as mm -hmm. possible of a scenario. In fact, it's more plausible than many of the other ones that... Uh, I've heard over the years. The reason I was asking you about the size of the sphere, and thank you because I've I've had a look at some really nice photos now. There's a, it's, it's not exactly the same thing, but I've sent you a link. I've emailed you a link of this spherical UFO that was spotted in San Diego in 2014. This one is really odd because it's almost got like a row of rectangular holes oh, or yeah. hatches in it. It's got uh -huh. a spike coming out of the bottom and two at the top. So not exactly the same as the Bet Sphere, of course, but because I I'd seen this photo fairly recently. I keep picturing in my mind this thing may be in flight and then retracting those yeah, spikes right. or whatever they are while it's sitting on the ground. Because again, like you say, it's just so fascinating that this thing, it wasn't just like a Roomba or like a electronic vacuum that like moved from side to side. Like that whole thing about like you say, it's like, oh, you're going outside. I want to go outside. It's that right. sign that there's some greater intelligence at work here. It's mm -hmm. not just, it's not just, okay, I move in a straight line from A to B. And if something blocks me, I'll sit here. I mean, I heard right. other stories about him putting things on the floor. He had someone come over to visit. He put something on the floor and the guy stands between Terry and the sphere and the sphere went around the guy. So not only is it 
got locomotion, but it's also got some type of problem-solving capability. Yeah, yeah it, sensors it can move or around obstacles. Yeah, yeah, uh, and it, and again, folks, bearing in mind this is what seventy-three did you say or seventy-four? Seventy-four. Yeah, I, I would challenge you to show me what technology was doing this back then remotely, short of there being a tiny crew of USS Enterprise inside of the sphere. I want to know what was doing this remotely, because and again, I understand that people want explanations, but. I hear this crap all the time. Oh, oh, it was a, it was a, it was a probe. It was a, okay. So it was a drone. Let's say it was a drone for argument's sake. We know the military oftentimes keeps things secret for a while. Why haven't they come out now that drones are like ubiquitous? Why haven't they come out and said, oh yeah, we had those back in the seventies. I haven't heard of the military or even like right. retired military people saying, oh yeah, we had these, these orb shaped AI type technology back then. I, I haven't heard right. anything about it. And again, I know, of course, people want to, they want to follow Occam's razor and all that. I get it. Sometimes it's like, just put it out there. Hey, this is a theory. The only, as, as we've had these talks before, the only time I get pissed is when I hear those people saying, this is the explanation. Well, unless you've got the time machine mm -hmm. to go back and prove it, it's not. It's your thought. I get so sick of seeing videos on YouTube, blah, 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 UFO sighting solved. And then it will just be like some crackpot theory oh, that, yeah. yeah, no, I'm pretty sure that the guy was drinking hillbilly moonshine. Yeah, nice theory. They postulated that at the time of the sighting, and it still got mm -hmm. the same credibility today as it did back then. Because that banker and the lawyer and the federal judge that saw it and the on-duty military personnel, right. yeah, they were all drinking that uh, well, hillbilly moonshine at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it, it's the it's the same situation with the, the Bet Sphere, where Skeptoid, the podcast, they just picked... Two, three news articles that said, hey, this whole thing's fake. And they said, yep, we solved it. Case is solved. <laughs> yeah. When you have a dozen yeah. of other news articles before those ones saying, oh, no, this is weird. I went and saw it, moved on its own. There's something bizarre going on. They cherry picked their, their evidence. They're as guilty as the paranormal investigators they try to debunk when it comes to top-down explanation. Okay, it's a, a mundane sphere. Let's figure out how it got there. Oh, some dude had one once and he dropped it. There it is. Case solved. Which, again, it's, it's as ludicrous as saying that it's an invisible probe from an alien planet it, it takes it's postulating information that there's absolutely no way you can know for sure it's you're saying yeah he dropped a ball somewhere and then yada 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 they found it on this island somehow <laughs> inside the middle of a fire um, yeah 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 <laughs> again Don't forget that the yada fire. yada is important <laughs> <laughs> It's the same yada yada they get upset at people for, for using it exactly. when they say, oh, well, the sphere moved around and yada yada aliens. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not correct, logical problem solving. It's, it's, it's tough, especially in this internet era. Everyone wants to feel like the smartest in well, 140 that's, characters. <laughs> that's, that's what I was just going to say. I realize that technology's come a long way and investigative techniques and everything else but i picture these people sometimes that go into these with the clear intention of disproving anything that could potentially be anything that's not mundane 
I just picture them having like the picture of Jay Allen Hynek and they're like drawing mm-hmm. devil horns on him and that and they're they're singing that <laughs> that that Homer Simpson I am so smart I'm so smart and they're trouncing around the photo I'm smarter than you because I say it I mean obviously it was happening way back like I said Philip Philip class and the whole father Gill thing like mm-hmm. I covered it's like oh it was myopia it's because of his glasses and it's like okay so there were 50 some other witnesses all of them had glasses and didn't wear them on the night even though he and right. about 10 other witnesses all said he was wearing his glasses at the time and all of these other people you know were they all myopic as well of course i love the australian when i say love it's in air quotes folks i love the australian explanation it was like well father gill was the only white man there so uh the other the other eyewitnesses basically don't count um this is 1959 oh, yeah. this isn't 1520 okay it's, right <laughs> yeah. and even then right I, yeah exactly I that one where, exactly like, yeah those, those are are still not believable yeah it's, those are probably the worst witnesses <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah some of these i'll tell you as you say i try and keep an open mind i try very much to steer that middle water of because again there look i want a lot of these things to be real i want like oak island i want there to be some awesome treasure that they find there it's on the other Mm -hmm. hand i try and make sure that i keep my feet on the ground as the saying goes and oh yeah you you hear these theories about everything like ufos and lost treasure and everything else i love the romantic side of it that the potential that there's ink and gold there or something and i would Mm -hmm. love nothing more than them to find out some lost treasure of especially something like ink and gold work that we have so little of but the reality is it's probably not that i'd love for it to be different god what a boring tv show that one is uh, it's so rough waiting through those episodes <laughs> yeah i i was a pretty big fan early on but the reason was it wasn't necessarily the show it was like you say it was the subject matter mm-hmm. uh after a while it's difficult well, to do a show like that and pump out 20 some episodes yeah. a year well i give them props because they are they are doing like actual archaeological they're not like blowing shit up and just like winging <laughs> yeah. it and making yeah. it interesting let's blow these it's rocks actual up archaeological yeah it's actual archaeological digging that just happens to be super boring to watch yeah. in real time it's yeah. just nothing, nothing really happens <laughs> yeah it's well for for me the killer is that out of every like you take out the commercials and you've got what about 40 i think it's about 40 ish minutes and out of that 40 uh-huh. ish minutes about 25 of it five of it is either recaps in that table yeah, well, it's not, it's, it, at the table talking about the thing they just talked about a minute ago <laughs> yeah and it, it's a recap let's mm. go over the 53 theories that that we've had since season one about it being uh sir francis bacon's writings or mm. i don't mind a little bit of that but yeah for again i guess that early on i understood because not everyone knew what it was but if you've been watching that show for whatever it is now seven eight seasons mm-hmm. if you don't know what happened before i don't know why you're watching it you know what i'm saying they've explained it by now yeah. And again, give a brief recap, just say as discussed in season six, episode four, so you can go back and watch it. But, uh, but yeah, that's the thing that gets, it just gets a bit long in the tooth and I haven't watched one for a while. I hope they find something unbelievably awesome, but. the way I feel about it is if they do find something, I'll, I'll, I don't have to watch the show. I'll hear about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it'll make the fucking news. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to save the like 20 hours of them digging. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one that you may never have heard of that's a similar show to this, but it's definitely a precursor by quite a while. So there was a show in Japan and one of the most, so Japan's got some of its own lost treasures and obviously being Japan and not the 
U.S. or an English-speaking first country. We don't necessarily hear these things. One of them was right. was um, this supposed lost treasure of one of the old emperors, uh, all this gold buried in this mountain. And it started out as a very real thing at one guy, and he was descended from this family. He was trying to find this gold. He was digging all the, these tunnels in this mountain. And then, again, I'm paraphrasing, so I might have it slightly wrong, but this was like in the, like right after World War II. And I think that he said even that his father did it before the war. And then um, he passed away and kind of left the torch to his son. And then his son carried on doing it. And then this, somehow this TV studio got wind of it and they were like oh this would make a cool tv show and he thought oh yeah get some excavators and get some things that i can't afford to do get some help but the thing was that eventually they were just pushed and pushed for ratings and something interesting the reality of the show just completely diverged from fact it just completely diverged from reality so they started salting things finding things that didn't actually exist it was all made for tv as the show went on and on and on they just got further and further removed from reality because they're trying to make a TV show versus this fact. Right. And in the end, I can't remember exactly what happened. I don't think it was like we discovered this treasure or whatever. But yeah, it was it was just, I guess, a warning from the past about how some of these shows you'll hear these stories about it. I mean, I remember when Survivor came out and I know that's got nothing to do with treasure. At first, it was the first kind of real reality show that hit the kind of US big screen. And once you started working out that a lot of it was kind of fake for TV, it, it, it makes it really mm -hmm. difficult to believe any of these shows. I still watch them and I still like watching things like that other one, the uh, Blind Frog Ranch one. I don't think I'm familiar with that one. Yeah, so so Blind Frog Ranch is that's another one where it could be the same area. I know it's close to uh Skinwalker Ranch. It's close to it's in the uh, Uinta okay. Basin. But yeah, there's yeah, another yeah. I think I am familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's another story and I'm not sure if it's this one or it's something else. There's a story about town of Kanab, Utah, and there's this old legend about the Aztecs basically burying Montezuma's gold there. I don't mm. think it's this actual ranch. But it's in the area. Anyway, all I'm saying is I'll, I'll still watch those shows and I still really do hope they find something. But even if they do on show, I always have a bit of skepticism because, okay, let's say you found a coin from, it's a bit different with Aztec stuff, but let's say you find a period dated object or, or coin or something. How hard is it for them to have salted that in there to get people to keep watching? Again, it becomes he said, she said, you get some of these shows old cast members come out and say, oh, it was faked. And then other people say, no, it was real. I guess at the end of the day, it all comes down to what is and what isn't the reality of it. And I, that's why I just don't get caught up. I remember on the, the last thing I remembered seeing on Oak Island that was like really controversial was that Roman uh, ceremonial sword or whatever they found on the coast off of the mm -hmm. uh, island. There are different stories about it. One story is that, oh yeah, they salted it. It was all a plant for the show. Another story is that, no, it was a legitimate artifact, but it's like a reproduction that they found out was made in the 50s and somebody like, but the show just conveniently didn't say that because it sounds a lot better if right. you say, yeah, okay, a reproduction from the 50s or some, maybe the Romans were in Nova Scotia in the first century. It sounds a lot better. I guess it's just the reality coming back to what you said about modern UFO cases and everything else. It's like you just have to keep one foot always in the skepticism because we don't know what's going on behind in the editing room and uh, with NDAs and everything else. We, we don't know what is legitimate on shows like that. So, um, right. 
look, man, maybe maybe one day they'll do a there'll be a Netflix series on the Bet Sphere or something, and we'll be we'll be talking about it and going, oh, did, did they better really get find a damn UFO? call? What? What? <laughs> if, if yeah, that's the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, that would be awesome. The idea that it it did wind up with Heineck actually came from his adult son, right? Um, who was giving an interview talking about growing up in the Heineck house with all the UFO stuff, and just off the cuff mentioned he used to kick this metal sphere around the basement that oh, came from okay. a UFO case in Florida. Uh, well, okay. And he actually named Florida the state. Wow. But again, he was interviewed by uh, Lindsay Kilbride for her show. And um, he didn't have any other. He's like, yeah, I remember exactly that. Like, I don't remember any yeah. other details, like where it came from or what happened to it or anything like that. So it it's interesting. I, I do think that is probably what most likely happened, where Jerry Betts was like, I'm tired of this sphere thing. Like here, Mr. Heineck, yeah. Dr. Heineck. Yeah. Um, did stay at the home. He spent the night there, which means he must have been a, a pretty good guest. Right. Um, and of course, you know, he, from, from people, uh, around him at the time, he was a very, you know, amiable guy, yeah. likable, told a good story. And so, yeah, I think it's most likely she was tired of this. And again, the sphere she was convinced had been altered in some way, um, most likely by the Navy. Yeah. Uh, maybe the Navy had even swapped it out. And she was like, well, I'm just going to give it to this UFO guy. Like, he'll figure out what to do with it. Uh, I, I think that's probably what most likely happened to the sphere. And again, the Heineck sphere might not actually be the real sphere. Well, the yeah, sphere that's it. It would make sense. Mayport yeah. Naval Station. <laughs> it, it would make sense if they swapped it out because very quickly any kind of further investigation he did about it, or maybe if he had electronics experts or something look at it, yeah, they would have probably very quickly worked out that it was a a dupe it was a dummy and there was nothing to it it was just a metal sphere and, right yeah and that would make sense why you would just kind of say oh well I'll just leave it in the basement then because um it's no further use uh it, it is interesting now maybe you know this maybe you don't but see the first thing i would think of is um i would want to x-ray that thing do you know if they did or tried to do any kind so of they imaging did. and, and okay. that was that was where the, that contradiction came from, the Navy in particular, where they told the family that there was something inside, and then they told the media that, no, it's just <laughs> a, a hollow, yeah. just a hollow, empty ball, nothing to see here. Yeah, um, yeah. And so that was the initial reports, and then the family said, okay, well, we want it back, and the Navy wanted to keep it. And again, there's several different versions of this, this story. The, the one... Um, that uh, there was a witness for, and so therefore it was a story that wound up in the book, was right. that they actually were bringing the sphere back to her home, and the guy who got there, when he got there, the phone rang, and it was the naval base asking for the guy dropping off the sphere, this this um, commander who had been the liaison for um, this interaction, you know, investigating right. the sphere. Supposedly, Jerry could hear the conversation, couldn't hear exactly what the conversation was, but could tell he was getting chewed out. And after he hung up the phone, he desperately asked for this sphere back. Like, you know, he was like, please, can I take it back? It's, you know, national security. And wow. uh, they're mad that I brought this back to you. And like, kind of got this notion that he had, he had fucked up. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she told him to shove it. And yeah, so that yeah. there was a, a close family friend who uh, relayed that story and said, that's how that went down. But again, 
who knows? Yeah. Uh, would the Navy, if the Navy wanted the spear, why wouldn't they just swap it out? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, there, there's, um, all kinds of possibilities. Maybe they swapped it out and they did all of that as kind of like a show to try to convince her that it was the real sphere. A little misdirection. Who knows? It's, it's again, one of these super bizarre stories. And when I, I started looking into it, I realized it wasn't just that little snippet of a story that I had heard, that there is a, a whole story, a big picture paranormal situation going down, not only on this island, but in, in this house. A different country and a different kind of subject. But for example, you've heard of Yamashita's treasure or Yamashita's gold? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. so, so this is another one, folks, that uh, I've got on my to-do list. And basically what it is, is at the end of World War II, the Japanese, especially in the Philippines, they know for a fact they basically realized that the, the jig was up. There was no way they were going to get all the treasure they'd looted there back to Japan. So instead, uh, General Yamashita ordered them to bury and hide this treasure rather than letting the Allies get it. And there's all kinds of rumors about them burying it in such a way that they could then go back and recover it at a later date. Well, there's a very famous photo that you can find online. There was a guy, the story goes that he helped somebody either to, I think he took him to a hospital and the guy ended up being, the story goes anyway, the legend goes, I should say. The guy ended up being a former Japanese Imperial soldier who'd stayed in the Philippines after the war. And as a thank you to this guy who had helped him, he basically gave him a treasure map to find some of this lost treasure. And this right. guy, yeah, went and recovered this gold Buddha statue, which was about two and a half, three feet tall. I actually, I've seen a video with the guy's son who remembers his dad bringing this Buddha home. And he said that you took the head off of the statue and inside there was a cache of diamonds, of, of uh, cut diamond gems. Along uh, at the time, there was a dictator of the Philippines named Ferdinand Marcos, which anyone my age or older will definitely know. They basically mm -hmm. turned up and seized this, took the dad, threw him in prison for uh, plundering national resources or some BS. And then uh, a few years later, there became so much pressure from the populace to release this guy, they ended up having to let him go. And then the guy said, well, okay, you let me go, but where's my treasure that you stole from me? And the, and the son right. said that they returned to him this statue but now it was a solid statue. There was no head and the statue wasn't made of gold. It was gilded. It was a painted statue. And of course, Marcos and them said, oh, no, that was the statue you found. There was never any gold. But again, mm -hmm. the old swap out, like you say, and it's like, how could you prove it? Not only is it plausible, but in my estimation, I if they wanted to do it, if anyone at the time would have had the ability to replicate this or use one of those... Mm -hmm. um, the balls that that guy was selling to the forestry or whatever, or something similar, it would be the U.S. Navy. I mean, I'm sure there's all kinds of floats and things like that, approximately that size. Well, perhaps they, they did swap out the sphere, and yeah. the, the sphere in the Go Fast video Busy. is the Bet Sphere, and it somehow escaped, and it's flying not away from this gimbal craft, but back to it. The, the craft shows up in this vicinity, the sphere reactivates and breaks its way out of wherever they've been um, holding it again fun story i'd love oh. to watch that that movie <laughs> well but, it, yeah that's um, it. it it could uh, be that you it, know it, it could be could that be the, that could be that it could be that the navy 
swapped it and that this is the how many ever generations afterward prototype that they continue to test in the right. area it could be i mean again the layers of the cake are so deep it could it be a deep fake so to speak it's real technology but the navy has not faked the footage but they haven't told the pilots what it is but they know damn well what it is or is it another agency right. testing it and the navy doesn't even know that it's quote unquote ours there's that deep undersea uh, base that they use for testing secret weapons down there in the Bahamas. Andros, I think it is, or there's a base down there. Uh, I mean, and that's, what, 90 miles from Miami, I think. So it's not far away. It's in the same vicinity. Yeah. And again, I, I think this for me, this is what I love. Which direction do you want to go? Because there's there's so many potential uh, explanations. It's like that, you know, you see that I can't remember what the movie is, but he's got the theories and he's got the strings from one to the other and he's like moving them around. How is yeah, it all the, connected? The Mel Gibson conspiracy Yeah, theorist. that's the one. That's the one. <laughs> uh-huh. So Chaz, were you saying in the end that you're going to have a book coming out about this then? Um, yeah, the book is actually out now. Oh, wow. It's called wow. A Place Between Time and Space. Um, and it's the a story of UFOs, ghosts, and Florida's strangest home. And uh, yeah, I... I ended up investigating the the now abandoned, dilapidated Betts house um, several times, even doing an overnight investigation inside, sneaking in there as it was on government land and no one was able to get permission to. I was going to ask, yeah, officially. About, more more so um, for yeah, any so, listeners that wanted to turn up. That's why I was. So yeah, as more important than the book, I've actually started a petition to get the house recognized as a historic landmark. Built by a famous architect, uh, which is already enough in most places to get it recognized. But it also has all these, these years of history. And it would be a great place to not only talk about UFO history, but the French explorers, the Spanish mission, the plantation, and the, the slave culture that existed on the island. The house really sits on top of this window into history. You know, right. On this, this highest point in the county. And so it's um, a place that when I first found it, I was enchanted. It's fucking spooky. Right. You know, there's a lot of places I go to and most of them I'm like, oh, yeah, it's pretty weird. But this is one of those places where, you know, it's, uh, as the kids say, a liminal space. It, it feels off. It really has that that strangeness around it. There's There's so few castles in the United States that we should really strive to preserve the ones we do have. Um, so please, if you enjoyed the stories, you want to hear more, pick up the book. But if you enjoyed them, even in the slightest, or if you just like paranormal stuff, period, please go and uh, sign that petition. So yeah, we can I found it. I've, save I've, a piece of uh, spooky history for for future generations. I found it here, my friend, and I'm going to make sure that it finds its way into the show notes on Change.org. Yeah, I see it here. Commissioned in 1928, awesome. the Neff House was built and designed. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely get it up. I'll sign it. Uh, no problem there. Hopefully, we can get uh, we we can get your goal pretty quickly. What you say? As I was looking at the Bet Sphere and that in kind of the related photos, they showed the house, and it is a very unique home. It is not like you say. It's it's not anything I would expect to see in in Florida on this island. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean the the home in and of itself, even if it didn't have this connection to the paranormal or the Bet Sphere, it, I don't see why it shouldn't be saved at the very least if not uh, obviously mm -hmm. renovated restored and hopefully allow people to tour it one day 
I don't see any reason why you wouldn't want to save this beautiful home. So I'll make sure that I get a link in the show notes for that. And I'll make sure I get I'll, I'll, I'll find your book online. I'm sure um, I know where to look and I'll make sure that I've got a link in there to that as well. I just didn't realize awesome. it was out already. So uh, shows. See, again, I've been out of touch, man. I've been uh, <laughs> been living in an alternate no reality the last few months. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm one of those guys where I don't really like doing the promo until it's it's yeah. out there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because I, I don't believe it. I don't, I don't believe it's real until it's real. <laughs> And so I think I started booking shows like the week before the book gets right. gets published. And so, yeah, last Friday it, it came out. And yeah, so far the the early reviews are pretty good. We're, we've been selling a, a good amount of copies and, and people seem to be um, enjoying the tale. So, yeah, if you uh, want to hear more ghost stories, more UFO stories around this island, this case, and uh, my own personal exploration and investigation inside this house. Go pick up the book, uh, Place Between Time and Space. And yeah, you can find me at Chaz of the Dead and all of my work, including those books and links and things, at chazofthedead.com. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate oh, it. Of, of course, anytime. I mean, you're, you're a regular and every time we catch up it's really a highlight and that's not to blow smoke my friend that is the truth i've had lots of guests and and i've got some really lovely guests that i enjoy and you're definitely in that tier that i get excited when i know you're going to be on and there's going to be some stuff we can talk about there's uh and again i'm not trying to blow my own horn but there's not a lot of people that can retain the amount of stuff i do in my head again not i might not get every detail right but i mean you're the same it's just like we start talking, oh, yeah, uh, it was on this website. And it's like, hey, man, cool. Because it saves me going back and oh, yeah. putting a link well, in or it, something. Instead and, of, yeah. like, going to college and studying something useful, I just cram, <laughs> crammed my noggin full of UFO facts and poltergeist cases and dates and names and what most people would call useless information. But uh, it's if, if uh, you find something you love and you let it kill you, that's what they say. So. <laughs> Well, I, I remember my stepdad growing up, who was basically my father. I remember him getting pissed off at me because I didn't get the best grades in math in school. And he would say to me, you can tell me what so-and-so's batting average was in 1985, <laughs> but you can't. I said, well, because that's interesting. And I really don't give a crap about what is the what this the equation equals. And, theorem, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just not my cup of tea. That's why. I mean, yeah, so I'm mm -hmm. the same, man. You give me something that I'm interested in, and I will just voraciously destroy it and enjoy it. And, yeah, definitely uh, both this and the Friendship Island case books, definitely I'll be able to acquire them in the very soon in the in the future and we'll see we'll see what i can do um if at all possible i don't know if you do printed copies or you have access to them like your yourself at home because i will tell oh, yeah. you Chaz, i'll happily send you the money for them but i would love to have a couple of autographed uh, copies of your books on my shelf just to say hey not only did i have this guy on the show he's a friend but uh i've also got his books here yeah, you you can um we're we're selling the book through Amazon but also through paranormalitymag.com. Um you can go to the den.paranormalitymag.com to um see not only my books but uh awesome paranormality magazine comes out monthly. Um crazy stories from people all over the field. Really awesome research-based community-based approach they have over there. And uh, yeah, you can get some Bezos free copies of, <laughs> of my book there. 
Um, I actually have to still make a trip down south and sign them, sign them. So I think if you buy them right now, they're not quite signed yet. No stress. Um, But they will be signed soon. Um, So, yeah, we we like to have that option. Uh, Unfortunately, I got to be on Amazon if people are going to discover it naturally. Of course. But for for people hearing it on the show like this and they're like, oh, man, I don't want to give Amazon any money. Well, you don't have to if you don't want to. ParanormalityMag.com will also uh, sell some some Bezos free copies for you. Nice. Now I've I've got that noted down here, so I'll make sure that that link gets in the show notes as well. And aside from that, Chaz, as always, man, thanks for taking the time to be on. I know that uh, as with everyone, your life's busy, and I know that I'm not your typical like, oh, come on and do a 20 minute infomercial. So I mean, this is. <laughs> This is this is what I love to do is uh, having having people on like yourself that have got so much knowledge and like I say at the end of the day you're not just a uh, a guy that sits at the desk like me and reads some books and goes ah these are my thoughts on it I mean you get out there you do the actual research and like I say man it's um, people like you are a real credit to the uh, to this field as far as I'm concerned uh, I, I really enjoy talking to someone who's been out there and seen and touched and and dealt with some of these things that uh, i've only seen remotely so awesome man I, I really appreciate you being on and i'll make sure i let you know when it gets out again we'll we'll have you on in future as always of course yeah looking forward to it thanks for having me on and anytime stay spooky <laughs> <laughs> of course you know we always will it's not 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 far from halloween i've got to actually sit down and work out what i'm going to do this october with my truncated time it's probably going to be a one-off Halloween special versus like a, a themed month like I've done in the past. So, uh, but, but I'll, yeah, I'll well, get something actually reminds there. me last second plugs, um, September issue of paranormality magazine. It'll, it'll have my ugly mug on the front, um, on the, the cover story. So check that out. And then October, uh, 22nd, if you're in North Florida, I'll be speaking at the North Florida Paracon, um, in Tallahassee talking about the bets case so oh nice um, come say hi we'll smoke a doobie and talk about <laughs> weird shit <laughs> nice well Chaz, thanks again man and uh, i'll let you go i'm sure you got many other things to do brother but um yeah thanks is all i can say and uh, i'll make sure that i get all the links in 